New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, my Medicare, MyHealthPolicy.com. I'll do one of those walk-ins, okay? Sure. For the Sky Channel? Okay, this is going to be a minute 54 for the Sky Channel in Western Europe. Play date to be determined. In three. Top to bottom, international superstars. All part of the World Wrestling Federation here on the Sky Channel and soon to be coming to Western Europe. You're going to be seeing the likes of Ricky Steamboat, Junkyard Dog, perhaps the heavyweight champion of the world, Hulk Hogan, tag team champions, the British Bulldogs, and so many, many more. The World Wrestling Federation truly worldwide now covering all four corners of the globe. One gentleman I know that would be very much looking forward to getting to this part of the world is my guest right now. He is from Mudlick, Kentucky. And if you haven't seen him before, you're going to be seeing him shortly. He's the big hillbilly Jim. Welcome to Western Europe. You know, you are one of the funnest guys I've ever seen. Going to see him shortly. Dad, Bernie, what a joke that was. <laughs> you you rascal, you, you're something. I ought to hey, tickle you, boy. Wait a minute. You're not going to believe what I had for dinner last night, hillbilly what, Jim. What you have? I had lamb chops. Ooh, dog, are you kidding? That's one of my five. I'll tell you, that's not my favorite, though. I like them pork fried fritters. If you ever get some of them, son, you'll go back for a second order. I thought you were going to ask me how the lamb chops were. Oh, how the lamb chops? Not bad. <laughs> you oh, like, you're something. You're a laugh a second, I'll tell I, you. I thought you said that. But can I talk seriously just for a second here? Please do. I'll tell you what. You know, when I first came into the World Wrestling Federation, I didn't have no idea that I'd be going to all these wonderful places all over the world. Coming right here in Europe, I cannot believe it. This is a thrill of my life. You think I might be able to go to what's it called? Paris? Paris? Paris, Frank? I think that could be arranged, sure. Okay. Gay Paris. Oh, I want to see uh-huh. some of them shows they got over there. Make me so happy. What shows? Those gay shows. Well, they're not gay shows. Those are... Gay Paris shows. Yeah, that, that they are. That's yeah. right. I don't know if I touched that one with a 10-foot pole, but that's neither here nor there. <laughs> Hillbilly Jim, you're going to love it over here. Oh, People are going to love you, too. They're going to open up the arms and roll out the red carpet. I'll tell you what. You know, I reckon some of my ancestors probably come from over here somewhere, and maybe I might run up on some of them. You never know. Hillbilly Jim, one of the greats here on the World Wrestling Federation here on the Sky Channel. Stay tuned, fans. We're going to be right back after this. <laughs> another year, another anniversary of the Yappa Pie, brother. What's up, everyone? This Week in Wrestling History, Season 2, Episode 9. Don Tony here, as always. This week, we covered a period of February 26th through March 4th, and later on, we will talk once again about the Yappa Pie. However, this year, it'll be a little bit different. Last year, we focused on the promos that followed Hogan's original announcement, the little sexual innuendos of Ric Flair's skin, and just the things that just people poked fun at over the years. 
This time around, we'll just set up the whole storyline. Why it was just so wacky and stupid and little subliminal comments and innuendos and just little details on some of these skits just truly revealed the stupidity of the whole storyline, especially when you realize we're not talking 1993. We're not talking 1995. We're talking 2000. All right, 2000, Hogan versus Flair, a little bit played out, let's be honest, but we'll get into that a little bit later. I want to start off with someone who you normally would not focus too much attention to. That is Luke of the Bushwhackers, Luke Williams. This week in 1980, he lost a hair versus hair match against Roddy Piper, and there was the Portland wrestling promotion. And at that time, they were the New Zealanders, which you also remember, they were the Sheep Herders. Very, very violent fucking tag team. And it was just amazing. You know, when you look at transformations of gimmicks over the years, the greatest of all time, I put Backlund as the milk toast baby face to Mr. Bob Backlund, almost at the top of my list. But also up there as well has to be the New Zealanders slash the sheep herders transforming to the bushwhackers. You look at the two careers, and it's sad that a lot of contemporary wrestling fans probably have never watched the bushwhackers when they were violent and bloody. But this week in 80, they were about to turn babyface, and they were violent as fuck, and Luke had lost a hair versus hair match against Piper. And then this would lead to ultimately Luke's partner, Brute Miller, Butch. He would lose a hair versus hair match about two weeks later from now in 1980. And at the time, they were also in the corner of Playboy Buddy Rose, who was a heel as well. And after losing their hair and after some bullshit with Playboy Buddy Rose, they turned babyface. And what I'm going to share with you right now is... Just a quick promo that Butch did back in 1980 when they did turn babyface and broke away from Playboy Buddy Rose. And the reason why I'm doing that is because since everyone out there remembers them as the Bushwhackers, these motherfuckers could cut some pretty damn good promos. Now, the audio quality is shit. I didn't collect Portland wrestling, you know, as far as tapes back in the day. So, you know, I had to get this from a third source. But I think it makes it clear, you know, Luke... Cut a pretty damn good promo. Rose! Luke's blood, Rose. That's the blood of a New Zealander, Rose. That's his blood, and that's my blood. Rose, ever since we came into the Northwest, people have been telling us to watch out for your double-crossing tactics. Double-crossed him, and we took no notice. We heard 
you double cross Ventura and again we took no notice but this time Rose this time it's us this time we're going to take some notice this time we're going to finish you from the northwest was Condon doing EMF with you? It was you that threw the chair and that beat Luke and got his hair shaved. And then, when you con me into my hair match, and this is the result, when you did that, Rose, it was you that hit me and made me lose my hair. Well, Rose, no more saving you. take a time out to try to get some help for Luke here into the dressing room. And a little bonus audio for everybody always wondered how the sheep herders and the New Zealanders became the bushwhackers and when they signed with WWF. I want to share with you an interview that Luke Williams did this year. And what's so amazing about it is these guys are, you know, in 70s now. They're getting up there in age. The memory and the preciseness that Luke provides in this little four or five minute clip on how they ended up signing with the WWF, I found impressive. I thought it was really, really good. And yes, these wrestlers do interviews every year, every year, but I just really appreciated the fact that he's up there in age now and to be so detailed and precise because some of the things I did some research on, everything he talks about, right on the money. Back in the day, it was Betamax. Before Betamax was the three-quarter-inch tape. That's when video, you know, before uh, VHS and the, all stations were using Betamax in, in, the, in the 70s and the mid to, to mid 80s, I guess. I've been sending tapes into WWE, and, and then and all of a sudden, we just shot it. We just 
We're working for uh, um, NWA, the Crockett of the Carolinas, and we were the, uh, he bought out UWF, which was Bill Watson's territory. And that was a long story about, we walked out on Crockett before, so he said, we gave him two months notice, but that's walking out. You don't give him notice, he gives you notice. Anyhow, we got back in there, because when he bought Bill Watts' territory, we were the champions. We'd just beaten Ted DiBiase and Dr. Dr. Well, Steve Williams. So we're back in there, we're working a program with the Rock and Roll Express, and we're in Cincinnati and just finished a workout. And Butch, I was I was never one good uh, doing my drum, you know, doing waist and, and, and midsection. Butch always did 50 minutes at the end of the workout. So I went to the phone, and this was in 88 or 87, and pick up my phone messages from Charlotte with the head officers, and there's a, and there's a message from a Pat. <coughs> Pat, Pat who? Pat, so I said, please call. So I called. I have actually called, called this Pat. And Pat, and he said, Pat Patterson, then the bell rang. And he said, I got someone here to talk to you. And they put it on speakerphone. And there was Vinnie Mac, Caesar. He said, he said uh, Kiwi, wondering if you're interested in coming and working for us. And that was the phone call we got. And of course, you know, working for NWA, you were a wrestler. Working for WWE became a celebrity. It was just good. It was like night and day, you know. And then he said to us, "When can you? When can you come up?" And I said, "When do you want us to come up?" I wasn't worrying about Crockett and that, but I thought I would. I thought of that. I said, "When is Thursday?" I said, "I quoted a day in that," and I made an excuse to the office that there was something wrong. We flew up so the Wednesday or Thursday morning. Had a meeting with Vince, you know, went into his office and of course Vinnie Max said, and we met just in the Hall of Fame too, he said to us, you know, I'd like to used to come in and have you as good guys uh, between the um, moon dogs and the sheep herders and that and Butch uh, and immediately he said, Well I'd like to have that and I said, because me being old fashioned, I said, bring in us bring us in his heels, because we've been working right up. Ted Turner now was being seen on TBS, was seen on Long Island, not in Manhattan, it was on Long Island, we are in Baltimore, Philadelphia, and it was seen, you know, it wasn't as strong up north like it is today. And like, you know, the cables weren't, but it was pretty powerful in that. And I said, well, bring us in his heels and we'll turn. He says, that's not the way I do it. He says, I'm going to bring you in for two months and now each week and do vignettes and then bring you in a statue. So, blah, 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 we, we flew home. Two days later, Butch calls me up and he says, i got a contract here for some guys called the, the Bushwhackers. He says, they've, sent the, they've, they've made a mistake, they've sent the wrong people. And I says, no, that Vince wants to own us. Because merchandise, one, one big thing with Vince, when you go, you go there, merchandising, as you know, WWE merchandise, is what's making the company so big at the moment. Houses have dropped down to a third of what they used to be. If we saw a, a house, 12,000 people, in our day, 13,000 would be, what the hell's wrong? Today, the houses, the house shows there are four, 6,000. Pay-per-views are the big houses and that. Anyhow, so that was the WWE. We, um, we Butch said to me, you know, the Moondogs have been on USA Network uh, for five or six years, the sheep herders have been on 
WTBS from 79 right up to 88, off and on. He says, let's create some hills. And he says to me, let's, you know, we always went out in the ring and swung our arms up at the people when we're healing. And that he turned around, Rah! like that and that. He said, let's go to the ring swinging our arms. And I said, I said to him, mate, my shoulders are so effed. I can't do that. And he says, do you want to make money? And that's so hence, hence the marching and the head licking. And that's all we remembered. You know, we had, I finished with him for, I finished with him in, in 1997. Went back in 2001 and did that gimmick battle royal with the Iron Sheik and that in Houston and that. But everybody still remembers the marching and as Jesse Ventura, here comes the marching maniacs. And that, and of course, everyone, the, the big factor is, the uh, Royal Rumble, 91 or 92, where I went into the ring and a Canadian guy, John Tenter, God bless him, earthquake, grabbed me as I got up on the apron and took me and threw me out on the side and I kept on marching. And I still play that to this day every uh, Royal Rumble. And that, you know, things like that the people remember. 1986, this week, we had WWF air the first ever edition of the Slammy Awards on television. Now, if you're a regular listener, as you remember, that in December, we talked about the first ever Slammy Awards being taped at the Baltimore Civic Center in Baltimore, Maryland. Well, it was taped in December, but it wasn't until now in 86, this week, that we actually got to see it on TV. And the award ceremony was really to promote more than anything the wrestling album. I know last year we played the audio montage of a lot of those songs from the album. I mean, it was just a fucking awesome album. I still remember the Junkyard Dog with Vicky Sue Robinson showing up on American Bandstand, which was just something you didn't expect back then. And it was pretty cool. So that happened this week in 86. Now we fast forward to 1992. WCW has Super Brawl 2 from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. This would be Jesse Ventura's first pay-per-view appearance for WCW. If you remember some episodes back, we talked about Jesse Ventura leaving WWF, contract issues. He filmed that pilot, what was it, tag team with Roddy Piper. And right around this time, he showed up in WCW. This was his first commentary. And it was cool to see Jesse Ventura back in wrestling on TV. Anyway, dark match from that night. You had Big Josh over Diamond Dallas Page. Flying Brian over Jushin Thunderlager to win the WCW Light Heavyweight Championship. Buck Bagwell over Terry Taylor. Ron Simmons over Cactus Jack. Van Hammer and the Z-Man over Richard Morton and Vinny Vegas. Barry Windham and Dustin Rhodes over stunning Steve Austin and Larry the Cruncher, Sabisco. Arn Anderson and Bobby Eaton over the Steiners by disqualification. You had Rick Rude defeat Ricky Steamboat to retain the WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, Sting over Lex Luger to win the WCW World Heavyweight Championship. This would be, at the time, Lex Luger's last match wrestling for WCW before signing for the WWF. And remember... When he left WCW, he had a no-compete clause on his contract. He couldn't wrestle for the WWF right away. At this time, WWF was working on the World Bodybuilding Federation, the WBF. So to work around this no-compete clause, Vince was bringing in Lex Luger to be part of the WBF. But because Lex Luger had the motorcycle accident and the WBF closing its doors... 
he would never appear for the WBF, but by the time he was able to return to the ring, the no compete clause was over with. And in early 1993, he made his WWF in-ring debut. Speaking of 1993. You know something, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat to move on. We wrestled flying Brian Pillman, stunning Steve Austin all around the country in all the major cities and put our titles on the line and have defeated them. But they have issued one more challenge right here on TV. I've said it all along, Dragon. Great champions answer great challenges. Flying Brian and stunning Steve Austin, you want one last opportunity at the champions next week right here. It's yours. So up and down the house show circuit leading up to this week, we had Pillman and Austin losing repeatedly to Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas, who were the tag champs at that time. So this week in 93 on WCW Worldwide, we found out that the Hollywood Blondes would get one last opportunity to fight for the WCW tag titles, and they would make that opportunity count. This week in 93, Steve Austin and Brian Pillman would defeat Ricky Steamboat and Shane Douglas to win those tag titles. And shortly after this, Shane Douglas was gone from WCW, and he would then appear for ECW or NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling, which we will get into in a moment because some pretty cool history that I have a feeling a lot of you out there don't even know about. But just a little tidbit, if you ever wondered why Shane Douglas left WCW at this time to go to ECW. Well, here's a quick little interview that he did on his show not too long ago, explaining exactly the reason why. And as you will hear, it's because of contract and money. My contract, I was on the night to night for most of my time with Ricky Steamboat. Uh, and I had for the first, when I first went in there, you have to understand when I first went back to WCW, I had come out of teaching. I hadn't been on the road in three years. And I'd been a teacher. Uh, uh, Kip Fry had agreed to bring me and uh, Marty Janetti back as the new rockers because we'd already done that years before in WWF. And right before that happened, Marty had gotten himself into trouble at a party in his house where somebody died or something. And that killed that idea, but the company was already interested in me. So they brought me back without Marty, and I didn't have the leverage of saying the new, the, the new rockers. Bill Watts had just come in as the booker for WCW at that time. So I uh, went in, and they put me working in short order, under a very minimum per night uh, guarantee. And they put me to Ricky, and we win the belts, and we get over, and the crowds are behind us. And I went to Bill, and I said, hey, look, you know, Brian Pillman, Steve Austin are making considerably more than me. Ricky Steamboat is making a shitload more than me. I'd like to renegotiate. And he said, please give me the, the first quarter, give me one quarter, and I promise you I'll renegotiate after that quarter. Well, at the end of that quarter, when I went back, he gave me the same song and dance. Uh, you know, I, 
I know I promised you, but Shane, I've known you for how long. Please give me another quarter, and I promise you, no questions asked. I'll guarantee renegotiate your contract. So like an idiot, I do another quarter. Right before that quarter ends, he gets fired. And Ole Anderson comes in. And Ole Anderson, when I explained to him what Bill had promised me, told me to come in the following month that he would look at it at my contract and et cetera. So I went in the following Monday and expecting to renegotiate my contract. And he said, I don't know what you're bitching about. You're making this much money tonight. That's how much money I made when I was your age. <laughs> and I said, well, the difference, you dumb fuck, is when you were my a hotel room cost 15 bucks a night. A steak dinner was six bucks a night, and a rental car was ten bucks a day. Now a hotel room is seventy-five, eighty bucks a night. A steak dinner is twenty-five, thirty bucks a night, and a rental car is thirty, forty, fifty bucks a night. But that was only Anderson. He was a moron. He was an uneducated moron that understood the wrestling industry and didn't know anything else outside of that. So it was what it was. That's what I was dealing with. So now we have 1994. And anybody that's a fan of ECW from back then, Eastern Championship Wrestling, you remember how ultimately Shane Douglas would throw down the NWA Heavyweight Championship, proclaim it the ECW Heavyweight Championship. They then would take it to the extreme. You had Dennis Carluzzo, who was fucking shocked and depressed and pissed off because of what Todd Gordon and Paul Heyman and what ECW did to the NWA, blah, 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 blah. Well, before all that went down, which did also take place in the latter part of 1994, this week in 1994 in the Manhattan Center in New York City. Now, that's the same home for the early episodes of Monday Night Raw. When Monday Night Raw debuted in 93, they would constantly be at the Manhattan Center. So now put this in a little bit of time perspective. WWF is already having shows at the Manhattan Center for Monday Night Raw in 93. One year later, in 1994, we have a wrestling event take place in the Manhattan Center, but it's not WWF. Remember when ECW invaded the WWF on Raw in 1997 to set up the barely legal pay-per-view? Well, three years earlier, ECW would be in that very same Manhattan Center, but under the banner of the World Wrestling Network. Now, I'm not going to get into a tremendous long social studies history lesson here, but I'll give you just a gist of what was going on. Jim Crockett was done with WCW. Jim Crockett, who was still part of the NWA, because remember, WCW broke away from the NWA as well. So Jim Crockett, along with Dennis Carluzzo and some other person that's escaping my memory right now, they were all the the board for the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance. So in 1993, we have NWA Eastern Championship Wrestling. Jim Crockett, who is old school, Paul Heyman, who was trying to revolutionize, make take it to the extreme, be more violent, more realistic, you know, just with storylines. 
He wanted to go in a different direction. So Crockett, since he's out of WCW, he's trying to create this new promotion called the World Wrestling Network. And it would feature some legends. It would feature a lot of ECW stars. ECW is already, you know, active. And the idea is, is that if the World Wrestling Network can pick up a little bit of steam and momentum, the World Wrestling Network may have prevented ECW from taking it to the extreme, may have prevented that night that Shane Douglas threw down the NWA heavyweight title. Because again, Crockett and Paul Heyman were together for this World Wrestling Network in 1994. Now, this promotion, this federation was created in 93. They had one event in Texas, drew about 2,000 people. So Crockett and Paul Heyman feel like they have something here. Now, at the same time as well, Eddie Gilbert is doing booking for ECW. And now we go to 1994, and they set up this mega wrestling event that's going to take place in the Manhattan Center. And it drew pretty damn good crowd. And this week in 94 at the Manhattan Center, under the World Wrestling Network banner, you had Jake the Snake Roberts over Cowboy Bob Orton. The Bruise Brothers over Kevin Shearer and the Kodiak Bear. You had the Convict, who is also known as Nails, with manager Sherry Martell over Jason Knight. 9-1-1 over Mike Watson and Paul Warrior in a handicap match. Public Enemy over Bad Company. Tommy Dreamer over Gino Caruso. Terry Funk over the Kodiak Bear. J.T. Smith and Tommy Cairo over Mike B. and the Captain. Road Warrior Hawk over Keith Shearer. You see some names repeated because the idea was to tape... Uh, maybe two or three one-hour pilots and try to sell it to a network. And before anybody asks, no, I've never seen, you know, the the professional uh, production of this event. There is fan cam footage on YouTube, and the quality is pretty damn shitty. But if you really want to see an interesting event, go check it out. So, this will continue with the matches. Mikey Watson over Jason Knight by DQ. The Convict over Mikey Watson. The Tasmaniac, Taz, over Surfer Ray Odyssey. Public Enemy over Paul Warrior and uh, Mikey Watson. Cowboy Bob Orton over Tommy Dreamer. Keith Shearer beat Jake the Snake Roberts. And there was a little bit of a storyline involved with this as well because Shane Douglas and Sherry Martell would make an appearance in this. And in the main event, Terry Funk and Sabu with Paulie Dangerously in his corner, they fought to a double disqualification. Did a pretty good crowd. The problem is, is that you had Jim Crockett who wanted to go in a more traditional you know, uh, way in the world of wrestling and Paul Heyman wanted to go in an entirely different direction. So because of the butting heads, because of just a lot of the problems, you know, Eddie Gilbert was not happy that the World Wrestling Network was using a lot of ECW talent, even though, look, contractually they were allowed to do so. So the end result is, is that Crockett and Paul Heyman go to separate ways. The World Wrestling Network never goes anywhere. Ultimately, you have later on in the year, they do that tournament for the NWA heavyweight title. Shane Douglas wins it. He throws down the belt, proclaims the ECW championship, and then ECW is officially gone from the NWA. So this World Wrestling Network pretty much was the NWA and ECW together. And if this would have taken off, makes you wonder what would have happened to ECW. May never have taken the extreme. May have just been a local Philly indie promotion with not much momentum. 
trust me, this World Wrestling Network not being able to develop any further is probably the reason why ECW became, you know, just my favorite promotion of all time and just the genre of what it was. Now we go to 1996. You know, we remember Mankind made his debut for the WWE on April 1st. We remember it on TV. We covered it in the past. Well, did you know that between him leaving ECW and showing up on WWF Raw as Mankind, he had a little pit stop in the USWA. And basically, WWE had Mick Foley show up in the USWA for a cup of coffee, I'd say about a month, and just to test his gimmick a little bit. And he would have the same outfit as he debuted in the WWE as Mankind. But in USWA, he was called Mankind the Mutilator. And here we take a little flashback to this week in 96. And a little bonus audio will go one week further. Just you could hear a little bit of Mick Foley's work as Mankind the Mutilator right before he made his WWF debut. Spring is upon us. The sun is shining. The birds are chirping. With all the beauty around us. I can't help feeling that something very bad is about to happen. Because I am mankind. And destruction follows my every footstep. And I'm here today in the USWA. I'll be watching. Have a nice day! For Dave Brown, this is Lance Russell. Mankind the Mutilator right here with us today. You will be seeing him in action for the very first time here on the USWA against T.D. Steele. You know, in the previous match, we talked about the opponent for Jesse James Armstrong coming in full of confidence. Here's a young man right here that never lacks for confidence when he steps into the ring, T.D. Steele. And even though it is Mankind the Mutilator coming in, he thinks he can beat him right now. Mankind, everything that we know about him tells you nothing is held back. Absolutely one of the loosest cannons we know anywhere. Downtown Bruno, the referee, and says ring the bell. Officially, we're off and running. And Mankind hammering away. And look at Steele. He wasn't going to take it without retaliating and he fired back but right now he's been pounded down to the mat by a very large mankind the mutilator here he comes oh my goodness and i tell you what listening to the interview such as it was the comments should i say of mankind the mutilator at the beginning of the program i don't know he nailed him with that right that weird facial piece that he has on. Going down, not to pin him. Looked like he was biting him right on the cheek. Mankind in the air. Takes TD over. Drapes him up. Hooks his leg underneath the turnbuckle. And as he has him upside down, Dave. Right 
straight down on him. Boy, we have heard lots of things about this guy, and they're all proving to be true right at the moment. Undoes the leg and brings T.D. Steele down. This this a tough kid, this T.D. Steele, too. And down the mutilator. Rides with a power right arm. Downtown Bruno was telling him, no pile driver. He was warning because there's a lot of wrestlers that come through and do not know that it is an illegal move in Tennessee. Pounds with that forearm right in the middle of the back. He just keeps on, hasn't given Steele an opportunity to breathe. The red backs him up, but only for a moment, and he's back in with a leg. With the throat of T.D. Steele right over that rope, T.D. tried a very weak shot. Chicken winged him and drove him right straight down into the mat. T.D. Steele really not able to get a thing going here against uh, Mankind the Mutilator from the opening bell. Mankind the Mutilator was taking over and he looks like he's choking him right now. Uh, Bruno's calling for the bell. He's just qualified him, I think, for the choke. I think he counted a disqualification on him. Oh, okay, he was on the jaw. Yeah, it was not a choke. It was a submission. Down goes the referee. Bruno scoots out of the ring. As this wild mutilator who went after the jaw, he got a hold on the jaw of T.D. Steele and took him right down to submission. Look at that. That is Mankind the Mutilator as he took care of T.D. Steele, got him into a submission. We thought he was on the throat. He was on that jaw. He gets the victory on a submission day. Yeah, that's exactly right. So Mankind the Mutilator, victory in his debut here today. Watch it, Dave. Uh, 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 mankind the Mutilator out here. So this is Jerry Lawler's hometown and oh how all the fans love Jerry Lawler I have a hometown but no one loves me there they all flee in horror Lawler take a look at this here it's gone oh how all men hate the wretched so how hated must I be who am all horrible beyond all men well, Lawler, this is no longer just my year. It's your future! So get a good look at it and think about how it'll feel to be stared at for the rest of your life. Think of how it will feel. Look in the mirror and get sick to your stomach. Make no mistake about it. This Monday night at the Mid-South Coliseum, I will be maiming! I will be mutilating! I will be destroying! And I will be loving it! Because this Monday, your fans have the chance to witness two acts of history on the very same night. The destruction of the king and the 
sent of the mutilator. So Lawler, you find the guts somewhere and you make it to the Coliseum for your mutilation. 1997, Monday Night Raw from Germany. Basically, it was done to crown the first ever European champion, which was won by the British Bulldog. He defeated Owen Hart in the tournament final. Rating that night did a 1.9. The second lowest rating, I believe, in Raw's history up to that point, about four-year history. And WWE now is now feuding with WCW, who has the NWO storyline, you know, about to just blow up and go out of control. And, you know, we have changes coming for Monday Night Raw. Everybody always remembers that segment that Vince McMahon did, that little promo he cut on Raw, where it's good guy versus bad guy. They always feel that that's the moment that Attitude was born. To me, next week's Raw in history, 1997 was the beginning of Attitude. The intro would be changed. Some of the things that went down were a little bit more controversial. You had little hints of attitude up to this point, but not full-blown. So we'll get into that next week. But again, for this week in 97 on Monday Night Raw, they crowned the British Bulldog as the first ever European champion. 1998, ECW has their Living Dangerously pay-per-view from Asbury Park, New Jersey, We'll always remember it for that spot between Taz and Bam Bam Bigelow for the TV title where Taz was basically on the piggyback, was piggybacking Bam Bam Bigelow, holding on to his shoulders and his back. Bigelow falls backwards. They go through the ring. Taz gets knocked out momentarily. Bigelow pins him, becomes the ECW TV champion. A lot of people don't know that Bigelow, because that's his hometown, did a ton of of promoting and doing everything that he can to get eyes onto that event. And it is a memorable event. I enjoyed it tremendously. I have my original pay-per-view taping from then. And, uh, you know, rest in peace, Bamba Bigelow. Everybody knows that I had the privilege of becoming friendly with him for the last couple of years of his life. You know, who could ever forget the uh, ECW ring uh, and the eBay fiasco with me, him, and that Matarats in Australia. Um, Just the the stories of him telling uh, what was going on with his ex-wife to myself and the Mass Maniac. It was just, you know, we'll spend other shows talking about that if you request it. But uh, here's a little interview clip that Bam Bam Bigelow did, I believe with Jack Sabbath at the Wrestling Universe here in Queens, New York. Jack would do these little interview skits at that time, little shoot interview stuff. And he had the the opportunity to bring Bam Bam Bigelow there. In fact, I think this might have been the same week where we had Bam Bam Bigelow appearing for USA Pro Wrestling. And we were hanging out. I don't know if Frank Goodman will ever hear this, but Frank, was this when we were on Union Turnpike that time, that same week where Bigelow showed up and, you know, the fans didn't. And we were all hanging out at the bar, like, you know, just hanging out and just talking and stuff. I think that might have been the same week, but here's Bigelow talking about working with Taz and that night on Living Dangerously, which took place this week in history. In the beginning, I didn't like Taz. I didn't like Pete. I didn't like working with him because Taz kind of reminded me of Leon. What are you going to do for me? What is that going to do for my career? Me, me, me. And, you know, Taz, Taz, to me, I guess, thought, like he, 
I guess anybody. You know, and it's not to say anything bad about Pete or Taz. It's just that Taz probably believed that he was ECW champion, like as a shoot, because Taz thought he. I guess he's always thought himself as a good shooter, uh, amateur wrestler or whatever. I don't know. I don't know too much about Taz's history, but. Um, you know, it was just difficult. But then me, me and Taz became, you know, he started realizing that I was helping him by not only teaching him, but also putting him over, and in return, him putting me over. It just took time and took a little patience, you know, and a few good boots to his head. But you know, he came around. He's a, I am the, you know, Pete's a good worker. He's a hard worker, man. You know, he's a good guy. You know, God bless him, man. I wish him all luck. Now, how did that angle come about where you guys, uh, in your hometown of Asbury Park, you beat him for the TV title, but you guys went through the, the, the ring. ring? Yeah, Yeah. well, that was just uh, an idea that I came up with, you know, because he didn't want to put me over. You know, he didn't want to do the job for me. So, best way to do it was, well, I'll have him put me over and nobody will even say it, you know what I mean? So, and that, that was it, you know, was, let's do the deal. We did the deal with the trap door, and, and then we, you know, Mikey was under there. We got the cue. We went home. Boom. It was a great spot. Phenomenal. Yeah. And then we did Ohio. We did it. We went through the friggin' ramp, ramp which was, uh, it was yeah. phenomenal, you know, where I returned the favor, you know, that way too, you know what I mean? Like, he put me over, nobody's seen it, like, you know, no job in the middle. I put him over without doing a job in the middle of the ring, you know. But um, Asbury Park was great, man, because it was hardcore pay-per-view, you know, uh, hardcore heaven or something like that. And uh, it was just, it was my hometown. I promoted it. I sold it out. I mean, I busted my ass, you know, doing radio shows. I mean, I had that place buzzing. I had the Asbury Park Press, the biggest paper in the area, come in, do a full-page sports, open the center full page up in the sports, and there's a picture of Taz and a picture of me. You don't get, you know, I was able to get coverage that for free and was able able to really just pack it and, and just have, I had a blast, man. And, you know, I didn't have to travel, and that check didn't bounce either. Some of them did, but not that one. Other matches from that night, you had Jerry Lynn and Chris Chetty over the FBI, Masato Tanaka over Doug Furness, Rob Van Dam over Two Cold Scorpio, New Jack and Spike Dudley over the Dudleys, and the uh, hardcore chair-swinging freaks of Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten. You had Tommy Dream over Just Incredible. As I said earlier, Bam Bam Bigelow over Taz to win the ECW TV title. Sabu over Sandman in a dueling Canes match. And Al Snow and Lance Storm defeating Shane Douglas and Chris Candido. And this was the time where Al Snow was just tremendously over in ECW. The styrofoam heads, they threw them all in the ring at that time. It was, it was pretty cool. I remember when that main event happened, they, they had like part of the ring blocked off because of what happened earlier with Bigelow and Taz. Memorable, memorable. And within a couple of months, Al Snow would be in the WWF. Speaking of WWF, this week in 1998, Mike Tyson appears on Monday Night Raw. Now, recently, Tyson was announced as being involved in Mania, 
We learned he wasn't going to be wrestling, but he was going to be a special outside ring enforcer during the match between Steve Austin and Shawn Michaels for the heavyweight title. And uh, came out once again to a just an overwhelming amount of booze. I think a lot of people seem to forget how negative Tyson was received when uh, WWF inked his deal. I've talked about it, how local papers and even the entertainment world was pretty much lambasting WWF. And kudos to Vince McMahon for sticking it through because it was uh, a big deal for how everything went down. And we all look back on it with fond memories. But this week in 98, Vince is in the ring with Mike Tyson, basically talking about his role at WrestleMania. This time around, he's not interrupted by Steve Austin, but instead by D-Generation X. This goes down. Question is, are you going to be the enforcer? Or is somebody like Stone Cold Steve Austin going to enforce going to enforce his own rules in this matchup at WrestleMania? That's the question. Unquestionably, a lot's gonna be answered at WrestleMania. No doubt about it. Listen to these people. I don't think Titans can keep it. Respect, man. please. Thank you. That's what it's all about, is respect, and indeed respect it will be in the matchup at WrestleMania. Would you, the enforcer, Mr. Tyson, who do you believe will win the match? disrespect you Uh-oh. like Steve Austin did. That's not Degeneration X's style. But what our style is, Mike, is to call people out face to face. So Iron Mike Tyson, the baddest man on the planet, my name is the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels, the World Wrestling Federation Champion. And what I'm doing right now is treating you like a man. But make no mistake about it, Mike. I am calling your ass out right now, right here, boy. Man, oh man, oh man. You want to do it? Let's do it right now. Here we go. You get your people out of here. I'll get my people out of here. And you and me will handle this man to man. Shawn Michaels, can you say Mitch Green? Shawn Michaels and Mike Tyson are fixing to tie it up. Shawn, this may be a big mistake. Oh, here we go. And, well, I'll tell you, I, 
What a week. Man, it's just a week to remember as a wrestling fan. Some good stuff, some hokey stuff, some ridiculously stupid stuff. And yes, Yappapai is part of it. So let's do this in no particular order. First off, this week in 2000, Chris Candido defeats Damian Steele in the Falls Count Anywhere match to win the XPW World Heavyweight Championship. And unfortunately, Chris Candido would only keep the title for a couple of weeks. He would have to uh, give it up 
because he, along with Tammy Sitch, would sign with WCW. Now, a little tidbit that I think some people seem to forget. You look at this event in itself, and the, the big focus on this event was to crown the King of the Deathmatch champion. This is available on home video and DVD. It's not a bad event. It is very, very violent. Um, I actually liked the Candido match, you know, jumping off the bar. It was, it was, it was a cool, cool deal to see. But I want to get into the King of the Deathmatch tournament results first, and I want to make a point that I think some out there may not even realize. But first of all, the first round matches from that night, Supreme over Chaos in a bed of barbed wire and nails match. You had White Trash, Johnny Webb losing to the Messiah. You had Cronus over Carlito Montana, Axel Rotten defeating Homeless Jimmy. Second round, Axel Rotten loses to Cronus Supreme over the Messiah. And in the final, Supreme defeats Cronus in a no-rope barbed wire beds of everything match. Very, very bloody. Very, very violent. But also want to point out that when Chris Candido defeated Damian Steele for the XPW heavyweight title, we had a surprise appearance by Shane Douglas. And at this time, remember, Shane Douglas you know, was working a little bit of WCW. He had left ECW and he was in WCW. So now my point is, is that when XPW showed up at ECW's Heatwave pay-per-view in 2000, they had that incident in the first row and everything like that. And people just ripped apart XPW as being an ECW ripoff. Keep in mind that many, many months before they had um, Axel Rotten, they had Cronus, they had Chris Candido, they had Shane Douglas, they had quite a few ECW wrestlers who had already worked XPW. So just a little point that, you know, I think a lot of people think up to that point when XPW showed up at Heatwave 2000 that XPW was trying to get noticed and that nobody from ECW ever paid attention to them. No, you had a lot of ECW guys uh, who worked XPW before that night. Also in 2000, we had the No Way Out pay-per-view. First of all, Sunday Night Heat, Headbanger Mosh over S.A. Rios by DQ. You had Ivory and Midian over Jacqueline and Funaki. Kurt Angle over Chris Jericho to win the Intercontinental Championship. The Dudleys over the New Age Outlaws to win the WWF Tag Titles. Mark Henry over Viscera. Edge and Christian over the Hardys. Taz over the Big Boss Man by DQ. X-Pac over Kane in a no-holds-barred match. Too Cool over the Radicals, which was Benoit Malenko and Saturn because Eddie was still injured. The Big Show over the Rock to earn a championship match at WrestleMania 2000 for the heavyweight title. You had Triple H over Cactus Jack in a Hell in a Cell match to retain the WWF championship. At that time, the storyline was going to be that Cactus Jack would be forced to retire. Um, obviously, he would be brought back uh, as Mick Foley by Linda McMahon a couple of weeks later. He would be involved at WrestleMania 2000 in the match. But still, this Hell in a Cell match was excellent. Um, this match proceeded to that infamous photo I've talked about in the past of all the headstones in the, uh, the funeral, um, the cemetery with Triple H basically burying careers. And you had to be a fan at that time to really understand why that photo was created. It's a very infamous photo. A lot of our listeners remember it well. So we got that. So now we go to Monday Night Raw. 
Crash Holly, hardcore champion at the time, he's about to face Mark Henry in a hardcore match. May Young, still pregnant with child, is in the corner of Mark Henry. And during the match, this happened. Sexual chocolate. Oh, wait a minute. Mark Henry and his pregnant uh, lady friend. That's a shocker. Mae Young. Well, I'll tell you what, May is lucky she's not only upright, but she still has that baby because I'll never forget the big splash that Fisher laid on, on May oh. last week on Raw. That's 500 pounds, King. Right on that unborn baby. I think she almost lost the baby at that point, but it was hanging on to something, a wrinkle or something. I don't know. Fans watching us live on TSN. We're going to be in Canada this weekend. Friday, Toronto, Saturday, Ottawa, and Sunday afternoon in Montreal. Here's opponent weighing in at allegedly well over 400 pounds. He is the World Wrestling Federation Hardcore Champion, Crash Holly. Crash Holly won the Hardcore title last week on Raw against the Test. And certainly thanks to, in my view, King, uh, a hard care shot from Crash's cousin Hardcore front to the face of Tess and I'm not sure who that care was intended for. Oh, come on, I know exactly who it's intended for. It's intended for a gold little pack of little air boys. Well, a little uh, Crash Holly there. You see those Hollies? Hardcore Crash? It's quite like the boys in Hatfield. It's a family feud. Or like the McMahon, Stephanie and Shane. Oh, boy. There's fans here in the sold-out crowd here in Madison Square Garden chanting Elroy in the direction of Crash Holly. You don't like that. Elroy Jensen, of course, from a cartoon fame. And Mark Henry looking to become the hardcore champion. Look at me. Well, Crash always wants to fight a big super heavyweight. He got his switch here. Where's Crash headed? Well, of course, it's hardcore titles. Balls count anywhere. No disqualifications. Yeah, but they didn't come any more hardcore than Mae Young. This match could end up in the ladies' room for all we know. You don't believe she's hardcore? Just look at her face. She got enough wrinkle. Their face would hold a five-day reign. Look out! What's up, Mae? Crash Holly now looking for something underneath the ring. Mae should really be back in locker room area. She doesn't... Two-by-four. Crash Holly wearing out Mark Henry with that two-by-four. Is tougher than shoe leather. Tougher than base skin. And crash. Well, that ain't gonna get a crash. Oh man. Mark Henry's he just set that base, anchored himself, and reversed the Irish whip. World's strongest man. Oh my the elevation. I think May had look at down from there, May. That's quite the beal there. Her back goes out often more often than she does. But Mark Henry's gonna become the, the hardcore champion, looks to me like. Hey, what are you doing? Mate. Is she hardcore? I told you she was hardcore. What is May doing? Wait a minute, you're pregnant! It's legal for her to be in the ring, but I mean, she's pregnant. What the hell? Oh, May just... <laughs> oh, wait a minute. She's... Uh-oh. Oh, man. May just hurt herself. She shouldn't have done that. Uh-oh. She shouldn't have done that. 
And what was she even doing in there? I don't know. I mean, you got Myers pump, but she's holding her, her stomach. Get up here, do something. There's Mula, Helen, your friend. Pat Patterson and Jerry Briscoe there too, but the story here is with Mae Young. AMTs have arrived here in the garden. She's, she's with child. Don't roll her. Uh, roll her out. I don't know what that, how that's going to help her. Patterson and Briscoe like two What do you want me to do? Oh, watch it. Not on her stomach. And May is in bad, a bad way here. And what else could happen here tonight? We're back, ladies and gentlemen. We have been told that May Young is in labor. Oh, my gosh. And here, folks, is the reason why. I think she was attempting to do Mark Henry's big splash. And she stumbled there. May stumble there, come in, deliver that splash. And then, of course, during the commercial break, she was uh, taken out of here frantically by the EMTs. And, and they said she's in labor? That's exactly what we're informed. time you had your period? Huh. About 1957. 57. <laughs> Mr. Henry. Would you please take 57. that thing out of your mouth? Please take these V8. Are you sure you're pregnant? Bear time? down, May. You can have that baby. Okay, you gotta have it. You understand? You gotta have the baby. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Come on. <laughs>
So now we got Mae Young giving birth to a fucking hand. But let's look at the bright side of all of this. A couple of days later on SmackDown, Crash Holly, no mention of Mae Young going into labor and all this other stuff. He actually would proclaim that being the hardcore champion, he would defend that title 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, thus giving birth to the 24-7 rule. Here's Crash Holly's promo from that night on SmackDown. Crash Holly retains his title once again 
the big horse man and Prince Delbert World through Taz. Hardcore chicken. Press. Okay, King Taz is in control of this matchup, but another ambush from Prince Delbert, the big boss man. Distracted Taz, but he exacted some revenge. That led Ranch to the, the back of Prince Delbert, the face of the boss man. But Taz was distracted, and Crash Holly took advantage, picks up the victory, and retains the hardcore title. So the week so far, you know, a little bit of goofy involved. Not all bad, you know. Candido winning the XPW title. Crash Holly creating the 24-7 rule. Well, giving credit for creating it on TV. Then we get to uh, WCW. Um, first of all, they have a taping on Thunder where you had referees Mickey J and Mark Johnson actually have a wrestling match. It was the drizzling shits. Um, it's not on the WWE Network. There is some grainy footage of it online. It is not even worth putting on here. It is garbage. But a couple of days before, on Nitro, we have another hardcore match. So just think about it. The same week that Mae Young gives birth to a rubber hand during a hardcore title match, on WCW Nitro, they're having their own hardcore championship match. This is between Brian Knobs and Three Count. Here's how it went down. Yeah! More than Three Counts! Didn't make you move your feet. Evan, Shannon, and Shane. Count already in the ring as we come out of the interview by Screamin' Norman. These guys are tremendous. That dream date with recon contest is in full gear. Britney Spears has entered. Christina Aguilera has entered. Do you know, Tony? I might take Miss Spears and Miss Aguilera, breed them with recon, have the next generation of pop stars. Take a look at what happened on Wednesday on uh, TBS and on Thunder. It was immigrageous against none other than Fit Finley. And Fit Finley obliterated this man. This is not a man to take lightly. Emigrageous in there against him. And Fit Finley got the win over three count, namely Courageous, this past Wednesday on the TBS. But that, that doesn't stop these guys. They're going to continue to sing, continue to dance. Hey, the Beatles didn't get stopped when Fit Finley beat them up. Fit Finley beat up the Beatles? You've got to be. Stop it. I think Fit's dad did. Charlie O. Finley. Here comes the WCW Hardcore Champion, Brian Knobs. Hey, no. And I want to let you know that available now, the latest edition of WCW Magazine with no. the NWO on the cover. And inside, it's the real deal, the story of Brian Knobs. The hardcore champion, what he is all about. He is truly as tough as they come at WCW. I knew the world was ready for Brian Knobs Centerfold. It's in WCW Magazine. I bought 10 copies, just have one in every room in my house. Knobs is out with that hardcore belt, and uh, Evan Courageous with that Nobs, stick mic. You're supposed to be so tough, Mr. Hardcore. I tell you what. Three count says, if you're so tough, okay, why don't you put up the title in a handicap match for the hardcore title? Against all three of you little punks. 
am glad to stick all three of your hands up your We know if you do, you're going down for the three count. He's accepted this uh, this handicap match. You know, the name of his article was The Real Deal, and they've got the real deal on their uh, stocking caps. How about that? Wow, a hardcore three-on-one. I knew the day would come when we'd see that on public TV. He has agreed to it, and now he is getting simpled to death, and Brian now using the cast on his right hand is taking charge now. I gotta admit, maybe the three pretty boys are no match for this husky hardcore champion. Now, these young men are known, uh, known more for their flying around the ring, not for their hardcore ability, but bro! Oh, oh my! The kendo stick! Wiped out Shane Helms, and now Evan Courageous and over the top. Nods is pounding these guys senseless brooms, kendo sticks, chairs, garbage can lids. He uses Oh my lord! Look around the ring, if you will. Thank heavens this didn't happen before the Grammys. Three Cowboys looked terrible when they performed that night. They, they didn't perform at the Grammys. Yeah, they did before they the did TV not. broadcast started. They did. Nods is killing the... Oh, no! Evan Courageous. Watch out again, and he's going to give one of these young men a pit stop. They'll never sing the same way again. Oh! If you had your choice, what would you rather take, a garbage can to the head or a pit stop? That's a couple. <laughs> I, might, I might go for the garbage can. The chair is just wiped out Shannon Moore. Shannon Moore's like a whip dish rag. Rob puts him over the top rope. He has thrown out all three members of three count. He is in complete command of this. That's why, one of the reasons, he is the hardcore champion. Oh. But here comes Evan Courageous again. Evan tried to get his hands up, but he couldn't block it. I'm just in awe what's going on. Brian Nobbs is not only fighting one against three, but he's totally dominating. And here comes the table, and Tony, he's not taking it back to help out with catering either. This in the night of the champions. This in the night where the WCW US title, Jeff Jarrett defends against Vampiro, and then Sid Vicious tonight will face Tank Abbott for the World Championship. The WCW World Championship, it's all tonight. In this hardcore title in a handicap match, three on one being battled. The fans are chanting with Brian Knox, who's got to have a courageous hook. He's going to try to power bomb him on the table. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. Insick never had to go through this. There you go. Shane Hells with the kendo stick for the ring apron really put Brian Knobs down on his back almost, and that'll finish the job right there. The garbage can shot. They dogpiled it. They pinned it. They won the dark day. My God. Three count. Three count. They're the hardcore champion. Champions. Champion. Does this mean they have to start doing hardcore music? I don't know. But they're the champs. So now all members of Three Count, all your hardcore champion. And by the way, you know, that's my original footage. You go on the WWE Network because they didn't want to pay royalties for that theme song. The entire beginning segment is not even there. You know, more and more as I check out the WWE Network for backup reference, it's amazing how many segments there are not even featured. It's not that they're just edited and you hear variations of it. 
in many cases, they're just gone. Just completely deleted, not even included. And it's sad. There's a, there's a lot of segments. You'd be surprised how many items you would never knew existed if you followed strictly the WWE Network. So now we're not done with 2000 because we'll finish up WCW 2000 in a moment. ECW this week, Rob Van Dam, who was now the TV champion for exactly 700 days, he unfortunately suffered a broken ankle. So on ECW's TNN taping in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, Rob Van Dam was forced to relinquish and vacate the ECW TV title. So Rob Van Dam would no longer be your TV champion. I believe Rhino won it the same night. Might have defeated Spike Dudley, if I recall. So we have all this going on this week in 2000. And then we have... Yapapai. <laughs> Yapapai. Unbelievable. You know, uh, the best way I could describe this, and like I said, I'm not going to get into all of the promos that Hogan did leading up to this match at Uncensored, I think it was, because it was a lot of sexual innuendos. I don't think it was intentional, but, you know, people have had fun with it over the years. But, you know, Yapapai, Indian strap match, you know, there is no Yapapai, uh, you know, Indian group, whatever you want to call it. There are some names that are very, very close. I always looked at the word yapapai as breaking it down in two words, ya papi. And didn't Jennifer Lopez or somebody do a song not too long ago where she actually, the name of it is ya papi, Y-A-P-A-P-I, same spelling as yapapai. So to me, I always looked at it as ya papi, like your daddy. I don't know. Nobody's ever come out and said that that's what they meant by it. But anyway, so we're in 2000 now. And Hogan, you know, comes into WCW early 90s, baby face, getting a little bit bland, turns heel NWO, then he feuds with NWO, and then he goes back to Hulkamania and blah, 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 blah. You know, that's not a big deal. But him feuding with Ric Flair in 2000 was just a little bit tiresome. And the funny thing about it is... They're setting up this storyline between the two because Jimmy Hart is obviously in the corner of Hulk Hogan. At this time, Ric Flair is aligned with Lex Luger. Lex Luger is uh, dating Miss Elizabeth, who is in their corner as well. And they're known as Team Package. So now you think of all these sexual innuendos in Hogan's promos, and now they're you know facing Team Package. It just added to it. But the funny thing about it is, is that the week before, uh, Ric Flair, Lex Luger, they beat the fuck out of Jimmy Hart. And Jimmy Hart had to be hospitalized, and Hogan is just irate. What did they do to his friend and manager and blah, 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 blah. So then Hogan proceeds to cut this promo on Monday Night Show. And by the way, I should also add the fact that when Ric Flair and Lex Luger beat the shit out of Jimmy Hart... They had stolen Hulk Hogan's Hulkamania belt, his weight belt. So they were walking around parading this belt as having a trophy piece. And Ric Flair would also point out that this was the only belt that Hogan had. He wasn't a champion at the time. So just picture this. Ric Flair, Lex Luger beat up Jimmy Hart. They parade this Hulk Hogan, Hulkamania weight belt as a trophy. And then the following week, 
We have Hogan show up on Nitro, cutting this promo, and yes, he has in his hands the weight belt that Ric Flair claims took from Hogan and is now parading it as a trophy. You know something, Ric Flair? After the sacrifice in Sacramento, brother, I realized how far we've taken this thing, brother. As I was in that slow, rolling coffin on the way to the emergency room, as I waited for each bated breath coming out of Jimmy Hart's body that I thought might be his last, I glazed down into his eyes, Ric Flair. Yes, Jimmy Hart was muttering, was stammering, trying to get the words out. I finally understood one word coming out of his mouth. Ric Flair, the steel cage wasn't the answer, brother, to our problems. The thousands of Hulkamaniacs that I had to strap back to keep off your back, Jack, wasn't the answer to the problems. But when I heard Jimmy Hart on the way to the emergency room in that slow rolling coffin mutter the words, Yappa Pie, brother, I knew the answer to the problem, Ric Flair. The Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Jack. That's what Jimmy Hart was calling for, brother. And now that I know with the powers to be watching my back, I can box you in contractually. I can corner you in, brother. And if we are bonded together with the leather man, if we are bonded together with no one in our way, as I strap that flesh, as your flesh bubbles and burns over your whole body, you will understand, my man, what the Yappa Pie mean by the Indian strap match flare. I'm calling your bluff, man. I'm the greatest wrestler of all times. And when I strap my wrist to yours, brother, the transformation as my eyes roll in the back of my head, as the smoke comes out of my nose, the leather will be your last lifeline to the professional wrestling world, brother. I will beat you within an inch of your life and in the Yappa Pie Indian strap match, Ric Flair. I will prove that you will bow down to me for an eternity, brother. So now, the challenge has been made, yapapai. Not even five, ten minutes later, Mean Gene Oakland brings out Lex Luger and Ric Flair to comment about it. And Ric Flair has this to say, oh, and by the way, what is in the hands of Ric Flair? The same weight belt that they claim that they took from Hulk Hogan, who had in the previous segment, who now has it back from the week before. You see where I'm going with this dopey shit. Apparently, we have team package here, not only Ric Flair, but the total package, Lex Luger and the lovely Miss Elizabeth. I want to talk to you in a moment, but Ric Flair, you have stirred up a hornet's nest just by virtue of the fact that you have walked out here with that belt. I was just going to ask you, Meijin, who in the hell is Hogan going to strap when I got Hogan's belt in my hand? Hogan! 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 I know what camera to talk to, it I'm Ric Flair. Hulkamania is dead. You know why? Because 4% body fat. The total package beat Hogan half to death. I walked out. I took it off. Hulkamania is dead. It's not running wild. So there you go. Yappa Pie is set up. 
The rest is history. Very, very busy week in the year wrestling 2000 this week. Wow. 2001, David McLean's Women of Wrestling closes its operations for the immediate future. Now, obviously, it has a rebirth since then. But after they had that tremendously uh, poor pay-per-view buy rate for their first ever you know, pay-per-view, they just couldn't afford it. They thought that they had something magical. That wasn't the case. And, you know, just think back to Wrestlelicious. You know, that fucking guy, God bless him, you know, he won a lottery and he thought, hey, I'll create an all-women's wrestling promotion. You know, the women, Jimmy Hart, they're professionals. They're not going to ever go on interview and laugh at that guy and say we took him for a ride and everything like that. But you remember when that promotion was launching. I, I could honestly take credit from day one that I just did not see how it was going to survive. And it just seemed like a money grab on behalf of everybody that was working that promotion would not last a year. And it didn't, you know, they recorded all the episodes. They tried to put it on the Mav TV and home video, but it was a, it was a disaster. That guy lost a boatload of money over that project, but Hey, he won a lottery. If he had fun doing it, I mean this sincerely good for him. So anyway, finish it up, 2001. We had an interesting match take place on Monday Night Raw. The Big Show, who was the hardcore champion at the time, he is involved in a three-way dance for that hardcore title. He faces this week in 2001 on Raw, Kurt Angle and The Rock, who happens to be the WWF heavyweight champion. So we have the heavyweight champion, The Rock, versus Kurt Angle, versus Big Show for the hardcore title. And this match would have a very unique ending. I have never heard of the WWF champion fighting for the hardcore title. But we're seeing another first here in the WWF. And the Big Show almost beheading The Rock and Kurt Angle. The Big Show. Listen to that. The Big Show. Oh my God, how huge! 
pounds is this man. He may be over 500 pounds. He's getting bigger by the minute. Look at him. Big Show's a mock man! 
Oh, oh what a shot to the spot of blood. And Billy, the one Billy Gunn, he's a 6'5", the fuck of baby, compared to the big show. Alive, Billy Gunn's a stud, and he does it like a... And the big show still not, not off his feet. What does it take to put this man down? My God, the heart... S.A. Rios is back in the fray. But not for long. There's still triple teaming the rock in the ring. Alpin, Saturn. And look at Angle. He's, he's definitely orchestrating this JR. Angle directly tapping the ring on the big show. Look at this. Look at this. He's like a Mexican on. That's amazing. That is amazing. to this day a lot of people think that that's the only time somebody's ever gotten pinned on a wall it's a cool visual and you see big show just pick him up like a baby and just holds him against the wall and gets the pin it was it was pretty cool something also happened this week in 2001 it wasn't anything that you knew on camera but i still remember it clearly how it went down on the internet Jerry Lawler, you know, he had a website. I don't know if it's still in business. I think it was kinglawler.com. And, you know, back in the late 90s, early 2000s, you know, you had a lot a lot of wrestlers who had their own websites. And they always claimed that they were going to be very interactive with their fans and this and that. And no, you know, I didn't write to them, but I know a lot of fans who were a little disgruntled that, you know, they would always contact or send emails and this, this and that, and they would never get response. Now, keep in mind, 
you know, 01, the internet is much different than what it is today. So Jerry Lawler was never one to socialize with anybody online, really would not post commentaries or anything like that. So it was interesting after what went down this week in 01, how Jerry Lawler suddenly posting comments and blogs and socializing online. And I know what some people are going to say, well, now he has a lot more free time. So obviously that's why he's, it could very well be. But I just remember people pointing out how like, you know, reachable this guy was after the fact. But make a long story short, and I'd rather you hear it in the words of Jerry Lawler since he was there, since it happened to him, and since he pretty much sums it up in a matter of, what, five minutes? But it was this week in 2001, and this was right after the stipulation where Stacey, Cat, Stacey Carter, the cat, was forced to join the right to censor. And if you remember, they traded that she was crying. She had this smeared black makeup under her eyes. And she was forced to join right to censor. I guess WWF was just fed up with Stacey Carter. You never heard of any behavioral issues. She wasn't that bad on television. But it was just interesting how out of nowhere, they just decided, you know what? We're done. We're releasing Stacey Carter. And because she was married to Jerry Lawler at the time, Jerry Lawler sticking up and being supportive of his wife, he decides to quit WWF as well. And originally he thought it was a rib. Unfortunately, it wasn't. Here's Jerry Lawler in his own words of what went down this week in 2001. For people that don't know and don't remember where they were when I left the WWE in 2000, maybe you should explain that everything was going good. I had I had been there since 1993, I think, and um, you know Jr. and I were the were the voice of the WWE. You know, we were the main guys on on Monday Night Raw, doing the show every 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 single Monday night. And all of a sudden, one day out of the blue, we were you know it was like midday. We were everybody was there getting ready for their matches that night, get ready to do Raw live. And uh, Jr. called me into his office and said, "Jerry, I just I just got a message from Vince, and and man, I I don't know what to do about it. I I, don't, I just I, I I just I don't know what to do." And I said, "What? What? What is it? What's the problem?" And he said, "Well, I just." I just got word from Vince to they want to give Stacy, which was my wife at the time, and she was working there in the WWE as the cat. He said they want to give her her release, and and he said I just I just can't tell her because Jr. and I and Stacy, I mean you know we were close, we we traveled together all the time there and everything, and so he said um, he said can you can you tell her? And I sort of thought it was a joke. I said what you mean. You mean you just got word from Vince that they were they're firing Stacy and you want me to tell her? And he said, "Man, I just don't have the heart to tell her." And so I I said, "Well, can I go talk to Vince?" And he said, "Yeah, I wish you would." So I, I went down to Vince's office, knock on the door, and I'm still thinking maybe this is a rib, maybe it's a joke or something, you know. And and so Vince said, "King, come on in." And so I told Vince, I said, "Hey, Jr. just called me in his office and said uh, that you guys are giving Stacy her release." And he said, yeah, uh, he said, not really, not my decision. And I said, not your decision. Well, whose decision is it? And uh, he said, I guess creatives uh, or talent relations. And I said, well, I'm thinking in my mind, I didn't say this. I'm thinking, 
Well, JR is the head of talent relations, and he just told me that it was a surprise to him, you know, so I'm, I'm thinking maybe I, don't, I, I didn't know what to think. Uh, and and so I said, well, it, what's the reason? What did she do? What's what's the problem? And Vince, <laughs> Vince said, I really don't know. So I, I'm just confused. I didn't know what to do. And so I, the, the first thing that popped into my mind was I sure didn't want her to lose her job, and I didn't want to go tell her that she had lost her job. So I quickly concocted what I thought would work. I'm thinking, well, you know, JR and I are the established voices of the WWE. They're certainly not going to, I mean, Stacy was just, you know, a, a minor player at the time on the roster. And I said, well, maybe if I stick up for her and, you know, pull a little power play here, that they'll keep her on and, and rather than losing me and her. So I told Vince, I said, well, you know, I said, if I got to go tell her that she's fired and she's got to leave, Vince, I'm going to I'm I'm just going to have to go with her. And, you know, I immediately thought that Vince is going to say, yeah, King, well, let's give this a second thought. Let's take a look, you know, let, hang on. Let's let's look at what's going on here. But that's not what happened. Instead, when I said, Vince, I'm just if she's got to go, you know, I, I'm just have to leave with her. Vince just. I mean, so matter-of-factly, just so casually, just turned to me and stuck his hand out and said, well, King, we really appreciate everything you've done for us. Wow. And I just, I was dumbfounded. I, I, I reached out and I shook his hand, and no more was said. I didn't say another word. He didn't either. And I just turned and walked out of his office, and I went to the locker room, and I called Stacy out, and I, and I said, well, we've both just been fired. And she said, what? And then I told her exactly what happened. And, you know, we went and, uh, you know, we got our stuff. And, and I told JR what happened. And he couldn't believe it. And and I, I think I told somebody this. I kept thinking, you know, somewhere as we're walking out to our rental car, somebody's going to jump out and go, ha, 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 we got you. And this is all going to be a big rib or whatever. But, no, that wasn't the case. Uh, you know, we, we went out and, and got in the car and came home. And, you know, we were just both out of the WWE. 2002, and man, it's examples like this that piss me off. Even if you're an indie promotion, you gotta have some commentary done on your shows. You have to have some good audio quality. Doing play-by-play with a fucking microphone and a mixer in a back room is not brain surgery. Even if you do what ECW used to do, Record the fucking event. Have someone from their home get on a mic. Fucking do play-by-play and splice it in. I don't get how so many indie promotions don't do this and didn't do it at the time. This would have been a wonderful match to share here for you to experience and just hear the emotion and hear the play-by-play. And, you know, Ian Rotten, God bless him, very innovative in some of the matches and some of the people he brought into IWA back in the early 2000s. And this is no exception. It was this week in 2002 for the IWA Mid-South uh, title. You had CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio versus Eddie Guerrero. That's a fantasy match that a lot of people probably don't even know went down. And yes, you could see this match online. Eddie Guerrero did, in fact, win the IWA Mid-South title that night. He would defend it the following night for IWA 
against CM Punk one-on-one, and then you would lose it right back to CM Punk. But if you want to really see a great match and and a match in the very early stages of CM Punk's career, go online and check it out. Eddie Guerrero versus Rey Mysterio versus CM Punk. Now, a couple of tidbits. CM Punk, up and coming, obviously. Rey Mysterio, fresh off of WCW closing its doors, not yet working for the WWF. He is still without the mask. Eddie Guerrero, recently released from the WWF because of you know, substance abuse and some issues. And he straightened his life out and he was out there working the indies to prove that he is cleaned up and he could still go. In fact, I think this week in history as well is when, and a lot of local people here will remember this one because I remember it clearly, Eddie Guerrero versus Loki for Jack Sabbath's promotion here in Queens, New York. That also took place this week in 02. It was either this week or next week. So you had Eddie Guerrero for a very short period of time on the indie circuit. He wrestled for Ring of Honor as well. So this was a really cool fantasy match to see. And again, you could check it out online. Now, I'm going to make a little comment about Ring of Honor because later on I'm going to give you some results from anniversary shows that took place this week. I brought this up on the DTKC show. I brought it up on Breakfast with Blossy, Breakfast Soup, and I have to mention it here once in a while. I always... Pay attention to everybody's feedback, suggestions, you know, comments, ideas for these shows. These shows are always evolving. And the one thing that people have requested repeatedly is some Ring of Honor footage. And yes, we have put some here once in a blue moon, but people want more. And the fact is, is that I can't give you more because unfortunately, Ring of Honor is one of those promotions that will not allow matches to be uh, streamed online, uh, that don't allow it to be used, you know, even in chunks. They just, they pull it down, they copyright, they just cause a lot of problems for a lot of people. What you will find online, and this sucks even more, are video montages set to music. So, yeah, you'll see highlights of an awesome Kevin Steen, uh, you know, Brian Danielson match, but there's no fucking commentary. It's all like a music video, and that's over and over and over and over and over again. Or you have fans with their iPhones. Case in point, when we get into a moment later on regarding the Broken Hardys and Ring of Honor, you know, I'm trying to find some really decent footage to put on here between them and the Young Bucks, and everything is a fucking iPhone footage. They don't allow it. So that's the reason why you don't get more of it. Ring of Honor is acting like WWE did 15 years ago. They think they're losing money by having matches being featured online. If anything, it's the reverse. Because, I'm sorry, I don't want to sit through fucking a four-minute music video of a montage. I'm sorry, I just, you know, when WWF did it with the Desire videos back then, it was cool. But when every fucking match has got a music, you know, like a song playing in the back, no, fuck that. So you don't watch Ring of Honor stuff as much online, and it's just, it's it's disappointing. Ring of Honor, I don't know whoever's making these decisions, but they really need to reevaluate it. I totally respect it. You need to reevaluate it, seriously. Anyway, we go to uh, WWF also this week at 2002. We had Tough Enough 2 premiere on MTV. This was the season that Linda Miles and Jackie Gator won. 
We all remember how their careers ended up. Uh, Jackie Gator, I still remember it clear as day, um, the Jackie Gator match. And I always bring up the story that Daphne was really busting her ass to get, you know, uh, a spot on the main roster for the WWF. And a lot of people felt that WWF gave that spot to Jackie Gator instead of Daphne. Now, before anybody tries to stir it up, Daphne was not part of Tough Enough. All right, Jackie Gator was. So it's not that cut and dry. But as far as bringing people onto the main roster, um, some people felt that, you know, that spot should have been given to Daphne or someone else. And I remember when that match went off on TV. I don't know if she was the one that had said it to me, but, you know, someone else had said it at the time as well, uh, a friend. Like, wow, they decided to go with this person instead of her. It was just really, I mean, you feel bad. I mean, Jackie Gator was trying, but that match, the Jackie Gator match, Jesus, was that horrible. But I'll say this. You know, Matt Capitelli, God rest his soul, you look at the history of Tough Enough from seasons one through six, and you look at the winners, not for nothing, you know, should Tough Enough have taken place in the first place? Yeah, I don't see why not. It's got its entertainment value. But you look at the winners where it was designed to create big-time stars of tomorrow. Did it really do that? Because here are your winners from Tough Enough from seasons one through six. Uh, Season one, Maven and Nydia. Nydia had some pretty decent uh, success, but before you knew it, she was gone. Maven, you know, he had a little success on TV, but... You know, their careers really never, you know, developed into a long-standing career. Linda Miles and Jackie Gator, as we just said. Matt Capitelli, God rest his soul. That guy had a promising future, and it was derailed and devastated what happened with him. So sad. John Morrison, who also won season three, to me, it's not even a question. The most successful person to ever come out of Tough Enough. Season four, Daniel Pewter. Season five, Andy Levine. Season six, Josh Brady and Sarah Lee. Sarah Lee, you give some respect for, but when you look at it as a whole, with the exception of John Morrison, you know, six seasons of trying to generate megastars, it didn't work out that way. So, but Morrison definitely, you know, it was cool that he won that season of Tough Enough. Don't mix up Tough Enough with NXT. I need to stress that. Anyway, 2006 uh, was the infamous night. We're not going to share it again here. You could see it all over the net. We had Cena versus Triple H feuding for WrestleMania. It was this week in 06 that Triple H came out and basically was just running down Cena's in-ring ability. Um, it, you know, it was a very legendary, entertaining promo. I just never liked, you know, you know, that's the movies, John, but this is not the movies. It's real life. And it's just, it didn't seem to fit well, but still entertaining nonetheless. Instead of sharing that highlight, I prefer to share a different one. This week, also in 2006 on Monday Night Raw, we had for a very short period of time, Marty Jannetty make his return to the WWE. Had that return match, did great. 
I remember we did an episode, I think the Minority Report, that's still up online. We praised it, but we also exposed some legal problems that Marty Gennetti had at that time, which he called us liars online, and we proved that he was full of shit. Obviously, you know, Marty Gennetti never got the contract from the WWF, which, you know, look, we we don't want to see someone not lose, you know, see someone lose an opportunity. But, you know, when you get come across information that contradicts what some people are saying or is being hidden that totally affects his contract with the WWF or WWE, you know, I mean, you're going to bring it out, especially when that person calls you a liar, when you know that you have fucking facts staring you in the face. It's one thing about me. If you've noticed over the years, whether you think that I'm an asshole at times on the other shows and I'm over the top, I'm politically incorrect, you know, yeah, I support our president, you know, more than others, but I do my fucking research. I do my work before I open my mouth, you know, and, you know, that's just the way it went down with Marty Jenner. And I still have that audio where we caught him, but another day, another time. But this week in 06 on Monday Night Raw, Marty Jannetty. Fresh off of that performance in WWE, which was great. We all liked it. Vince McMahon offers him a contract to stay in the WWE. But in order to do so, he would have to join a certain club. And uh, as you will hear, uh, he didn't join that club, but someone else did. formerly known as the Rockers, Shawn Michaels, Marty Jannetty, they had, had that same spirit, had that same vibrance, that same enthusiasm. And then, well, Michaels and Jannetty uh, decided to go their own separate ways. Everybody knows what happened to Shawn Michaels' career. It was a meteoric rise to the top. Michaels becoming a multi-time WWE champion. Michaels unquestionably becoming becoming one of the all-time greats in this industry. And then you have Shawn Michaels' friend and former partner, Marty Jannetty. And Marty Jannetty's career ever since he decided to go his own way has been a downward daily spiral. 
until quite frankly, Marty Jannetty, ladies and gentlemen, has hit rock bottom here tonight. So please welcome, if you would, a man who, in just a moment, will be literally begging me for a job. Here is the newest member of the Mr. McMahon Kiss My Ass Club. Here is Marty Jannetty. That's going to be tough to come out after that introduction, if you want to call it. Hey, hey Marty Jannetty's got from the Country Club to the Kiss My Ass Club. What must be going through the mind of Marty Jannetty right now? He said, hey, I'm going to have a job. Hey. How you doing, pal? Good to see you. You know, uh, last week, Last week, you, uh, you looked pretty good out here. I mean, uh, helping your pal out, Shawn Michaels, and fighting with the Spirit Squad. You, you, don't, you don't look so good at the moment. I mean, I mean you're, you're not thinking about backing out of this, are you? I mean, let's face it, you, you really want this job, don't you? Yes, I do. Not only do you want this job, Jeanette, let's face it, you you need this job, right? Yes, I do. Not only do you need this job, quite frankly, I don't think it's any secret, you're flat broke. You're destitute. So you, you desperately, you desperately need this job, am I right? I need this job. All right then, you shouldn't have that sour puss on your face, you should be very willing to kiss my ass. I can see that you are. Matter of fact, you're no different. You're no different than each and every person in this arena here tonight. And you people are no different than everybody all around the world. Let's face it, you all kiss your boss's ass, come on. You all kiss ass, admit it! Marty, quite frankly, you're not going to do anything that, that they don't do each and every day. So what do you say? Let's, let's get on with this. Go ahead and uh, get on your knees. This is hard to watch. Well, not for me. Maybe you didn't hear me. Trying to make this as hard on Marty Jannetty as it could possibly be. I said get on your knees. All because Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels free. You want this job or not? Get on your damn knees! Again, he doesn't have to do it. Mr. McMahon has given him a choice. All right, so now we get on with this. I'm just going to unbuckle this here. <laughs> Excuse me while I whip this out. Um, oh. <laughs> all right, so what we have here is... What are you smiling at, Lillian? <laughs> 
we have here is Mr. McMahon's half. There it is. Now you gotta admit, oh, oh God. that's a mighty fine looking ass, isn't it? <laughs> Lillian thinks so. Oh. Flash bubs popping everywhere. Matter of fact, that's not just a normal ass. Many of you are saying to yourselves right now, Mr. McMahon, you have a magnificent ass. Oh, man. So with that in mind, all right. All right, Marty, go ahead and kiss my magnificent ass. Go ahead. I'll even bend over for you. Here we go. Wait a minute. Oh, no. Oh, come on. <laughs> Those socks. Moving around a little bit. All right. There it is. Come on, kiss it. Not every day you get to kiss Mr. McMahon's ass. Come on. Get closer. You can do it. Do it. If somebody's just tuning in, this is Marty Janetti having to kiss Mr. McMahon's ass. I said kiss my ass. A contract yeah, here in the WWE. Just a peck, Marty. Go for it. Damn it, you kiss my ass now. A lot of people would love to do this. You maybe, but what? not a lot of people. What's he doing? What? Did he just say he's not gonna he's not gonna do it? You would refuse to kiss my ass? Some other way. Some other way. Some other way. All right. Maybe I got a little carried away with this kiss my ass stuff. Maybe there is another way in which you can gain employment here. There's always a plan B. So with that in mind, Chris Masters, come on down here. Oh, come on now. What is this? Chris Masters? The Masterpiece? Yes, that's who Chris Masters is. I, I know that. I'm just wondering what he has to do. Do I have to whisper hey. even if he's not doing a spoke? Hey. Another way? Yeah, there is, all right? You don't have to endure the humiliation of kissing my ass. All you have to do to gain a contract here, no strings attached, is do one thing that no man has ever done. Break that man's master lock. Now, if you don't know what that is, you've been away for a while, I've got a chair here, you come in, I'll be the referee for this thing. Sit down here in the chair. You don't want to do it my way. Come on, have a seat. He's going to apply what you used to know as a full Nelson motor. He calls the master lock. Okay? And if you break the master lock, you get your contract. Fair enough. Okay. All right, just a minute now. I'll be the ref on this. 
On the count of three, we're gonna go. You get your arms up there and he applies the lock. Come on, bring him up. Get in there, Chris. Come on, Come on make sure you get, make sure you hook it in good. Get your arms up, Janetti. Lock it in good. You got him locked. Yep. A one, two, three. Oh. Can Marty Jannetty break the master lock of the masterpiece Chris Masters and win a WWE contract? I think I would have rather uh, kissed Mr. McMahon's ass. It would have been a lot easier. This Come is on, This is impossible. Get him down. No man's ever done this. It's the fans turning for Marty Jannetty. That's it. Break his neck. Break oh, his neck. Come on. Come on, break it. <laughs> hey, damn it, I said break his neck. Break his neck, Gavin! Look at Janetti fight! Look at this! Where's he gonna break it? Janetti fighting, but... Oh, oh come wait on! Wait a minute! Now then, you son of a bitch, I said you were gonna kiss my ass. That's what you're gonna do, whether you like it or not. Oh, come on. Oh, hey! Kiss my ass. Come on, kiss my ass! Come on! Oh, come on, Get don't in there. do kiss this! It good. Look at this now. Come on, get it closer. Fight it, Marty, fight it. Come on, Masters. And here comes Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels to the aid of Kenny. Oh. Marty Janetti, just like Marty Janetti came out and helped Shawn Michaels. And now look at this. Oh, man, literally, literally calling his pants down. Yes. What's Shawn Michaels going to... Easy, Sean, easy. <laughs> Look at Mr. McMahon. Hey, you think Sean Michaels would actually do it? Hey, hey. Free oh, 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 oh. Shane McMahon! Shane McMahon, where did he come from? It's Shane O'Mac! He was under the damn ring! Oh, oh no. You want to fight a McMahon so bad? Guess what? You may not be able to hear me, but at Saturday night's main event, it's you, one-on-one, -on -one, in a street fight against my son, Shane. My God. Oh, baby. I love it. Shane versus HBK, one-on-one. Wait, 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 wait a minute. Shane's going to add his two uh, Hang on, hang on, wait a minute. My son Shane just had a brilliant idea. I told you, Michaels, you interfere in this. You're going to have to kiss my ass. That's exactly what's going to happen. Make him kiss my ass, Shane. Come on. What? Oh, no. You talk about oh, insult. Get him up. To injury. Bring him over Sean here. Michaels Pucker is his out lips cold. Pucker his lips. Come on. Make him kiss my ass. Come on, make him kiss it. Kiss it, Sean. Kiss it, you like it? Come on. Yeah! Oh, my God! Sean <laughs> looked like he enjoyed that one. Ladies and gentlemen, Sean Michaels has just kissed my ass! And by the way, Sean, you kissed mine, but I'm going to be kicking yours at WrestleMania. What did he say? What? No chance. That's what you so, at Saturday night's main event, Shawn Michaels has to fight Shane McMahon, who will no doubt try to soften him up for WrestleMania because then HBK's got to wrestle Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon didn't say that. 
He just said he was going to kick his ass at WrestleMania. Well, it sure sounded like he said that. Well, they're not going to dance. Well, I can tell you this. When Sean comes to and he realizes that his face just got planted in Mr. McMahon's ass, I, I don't want to be anywhere near HBK. Oh, boy. Still the visual of Vince McMahon with his pants pulled down twice. The camera angle was just perfect. It looked like at some points he didn't even have a thong on, but he did. So there you go. On SmackDown this week as well. Uh, You know, just a little tidbit, nothing major, but for all you CM Punk fans out there, remember this theme song you used to come out to? Ah, kill switch engage, this fire burns, you know. I think a lot of people like that song to CM Punk more than uh, cult personality. But it was this week in 2006 that we got a little bit of a twist. Now, at that time, it wasn't a twist because CM Punk didn't have the music yet. But this week in 06, someone else came out to kill switch engage. You remember who it was? one night only kind of glad i think that theme song fits cm punk hell of a lot better 2008 the cruiserweight championship is officially retired at that time the last champion at that time was hornswoggle we had vicky guerrero who's the gm for smackdown she uh retired it quote unquote well it was this week in 08 that wwe finally officially retired it and the rest is history 2009, Mr. T does an interview with the UK Mirror that got a ton of press. He was offered to go into the WWE Hall of Fame. He turned it down because Pete Rose was in it. I'm not going to get into the interview results, but instead a little treat. Um, We know that Mr. T ultimately would go into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014, five years later. And we all remember Mr. T's speech, which did not go well. You kind of felt bad for him after, but one thing we knew for sure, he loved his mama. And in case you never actually took a step back to count it, he told us that night 71 times that he loved his mama. You think I'm wrong? Want to challenge me? Beneath the mohawk, underneath the tough talking persona, is an old-fashioned mama's boy. 
who just happens to love his mother, 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 mama's, mama's mother, 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 mother's mother, 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 mother's mother, 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 mother's mother, mother, mother's mother, 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 mother's mother, 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 2010, someone didn't love their mama. Well, maybe they did, and they thought getting her arrested was the best thing for them. It was this week in 2010, Ric Flair was married to Jacqueline Beams at the time. And we would find out that uh, through a 911 call that Ric Flair, Jacqueline Beams, intoxicated, nothing really new as far as Flair's part, But they came home after going to a bar, had a big argument, and Jacqueline Beam started beating the shit out of Ric Flair. Nothing major, but you got to keep in mind, this is 2010. Ric Flair, you know, his forehead is subject to bleeding because of all the times that he is, let's say it bluntly, bladed over the years. So you smack someone in the head who is bladed repeatedly, and you might open up a cut and it might look horrible. Look, who could ever forget that promo that Ric Flair cut in the middle of the ring on Raw when he started punching his own head? Now, granted, that was like a day after a major match with Triple H where he fucking, his wounds were still fresh. But you slap him in the face a couple of times, you know, wrestling in his career in 2010. And yeah, he's going to start juicing Ardway. And that's what happened. And Jacqueline Beams' daughter freaked out. She called 911. This would result in Jacqueline Beams actually getting arrested. And in case you want to reminisce it, here you go from TMZ's website this week in 2010, that 911 call made about Ric Flair and Jacqueline Beams, intoxicated and a little bit of fisticuffs. There's a civil disturbance at the house. This is going to be in the, um, um, right now my mom and her, um, wet, newlywed husband are fighting. He's bleeding from the forehead. I don't Does know what medic? <laughs> yes, he's going to need medic. Okay, what's your name? Are you still and there? It's not, it's not something serious. He's bleeding, yes. But it's more or less, I just need a police officer or something here to calm the situation down. They're both drunk. Okay, what's your mother's name? I'm sorry? What's your mother? Um, newly, um, Jack. Okay. What's your husband, and what's um, her husband's name? Okay, um, no problem. Enter corporate service, okay? Okay, thank you. Okay, let me chance you the medic, okay? But it's not a major medical. Right now he's just bleeding from his forehead, and they had gotten into a fight. I don't know if, if they were, were punching. My, I think my mom was punching him, and he's bleeding. It's, he's, he's conscious, and he can talk and everything, but okay. it's just... It's just a, What's the like, phone number you're calling me from? Okay. Is he awake? Yes, he's definitely... He's awake and walking around. He's... I, I think they're drunk, but they're, they they aren't slurred of speech, and oh. they're alert, but it's just, it's... When did this happen? Um, about 10 minutes ago. Okay. And, and it just escalated five minutes ago. 
All right, is the assailant still nearby, the person that hit him? She's in the house. Were weapons involved or mentioned? Um, I didn't see any weapons, just he's bleeding. When I went to the door because he was holding her oh. back, the window was a little bent, like the, the curtain rod. So I don't think she used anything. I think she was just hitting him over and over again. Okay, and is there serious bleeding? Um, from, like, it's not, um... I wouldn't say it's serious, I'd say it's moderate. He's just bleeding from his forehead. Alright, is he completely he, alert? He's completely alert. He's walking around and he's talking fine, and okay. he, he didn't want me to call, but this is like... Alright, we do have the ambulance on the way. What I need you to do for us until we get there, just okay. reassure him that help is on the way. Don't he, allow... He's, yeah, he's calling me, he didn't want me to call you guys, so like, I'm, I'm just locked in my car right now, because I have my brother with me, and I just, I don't know how to calm the situation other than just get you guys here. Okay, then what I need you to do is just remain safe, okay? Okay. Also this week in 2010, WWE releases the following wrestlers and a referee. Charlie Haas, Gregory Helms, Paul Burchill, Maria Kanellis, and Scott Armstrong. Same week, WWE on Raw, we had Show Miz retain the tag titles over Shawn Michaels and Triple H. This is the last time those two would wrestle together on Monday Night Raw. Yes, Shawn Michaels and Triple H wrestled one or two house shows after that. Yes, they wrestled in Saudi Arabia, but as far as Raw goes, that was it. Same week, Wrestlelicious made its debut on MAV TV. We all know the history. In about a year, that was it. It was uh, off the air, and we know the rest of it. In wrapping up 2010, I don't know why Hulk Hogan just didn't keep his fucking mouth shut. I know it's not a big deal looking back on it, but still, you know Impact is moving to Monday nights starting next week, which we will cover next week. But here in New York... He goes on the Jim Carr Rock and Roll Morning Show, which got some buzz online because their audio would be streamed online nationwide. And during that clip, he decides to reveal that TNA had signed Rob Van Dam. It was no reason to do it. I know the idea is maybe more people tune in the following week because now they know RVD is going to be there. But man, it fucking killed the surprise because there was a storyline at the time of somebody that Dixie Carter was going to handpick to face Sting. And people really wondered, like, who could it be? Once Hogan made this announcement, the surprise was done. And let's just go one week ahead just for this week's purposes. Here's Rob Van Dam's debut in TNA, which took place next week in history in 2010. Pay attention to the crowd in the background. They already knew that he was the surprise person for Sting. But in case people forgot, um, here is the uh, the five-star match that took place next. The icon waiting to see who it is that the TNA president has handpicked to face him tonight in his return to the ring and his return to TNA. Who's it going to be? Let's go! 
Yeah, Sting lost clean to Rob Van Dam in 12 seconds. Okay, 2011, Johnny Curtis, who you know as Fandango, wins NXT Season 4. Brodus Clay finishes second. Also in 2011, Ring of Honor has a ninth anniversary show from Chicago, Illinois. Match results, Davey Richards over Colt Cabana, Mike Bennett over Steve Carino, Kyle O'Reilly and Grizzly Redwood in a four-corner survival match. You had El Generico over Michael Elgin, Roderick Strong over Homicide in a no-holds-barred match to retain the world title, Sarah Del Rey over Mischief, Kings of Wrestling over the All Night Express with, uh, to retain the tag titles. Christopher Daniels and Eddie Edwards fought to a 30-minute time limit draw, and uh, they were tied one-to-one, the best two-out-of-three-falls match for the TV title. It was a two-out-of-three-falls match, but with a 30-minute time limit. Need to specify that. And the main event, world's greatest tag team of Charlie Austin, Shelton Benjamin, over the Briscoes. 2012, Ring of Honor has their 10th anniversary show from New York City. It was called Young Wolves Rising. Match results from that night, the All-Night Express over the world's greatest tag team. Mike Bennett over Homicide. The House of Truth over the Amazing Red and TJP. Jay Lethal and Tommaso Ciampa fought to a 15-minute time limit draw for the TV title. The Briscoes over the Young Bucks to retain the tag titles. Kevin Steen over Jimmy Jacobs in an ODQ match. You had Team Ambition of Kyle O'Reilly and Davey Richards. They lose to Adam Cole and Eddie Edwards. And um, it was a pretty damn good match. I actually saw this card, not live and in person. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't go to Ring of Honor events live, but I watched some of it online. And again, I wish I could share some of these memories. Even if I took one or two minute clips from other matches, they, they'll fucking sh- shoot it down. They'll fucking file complaints. Ain't going for that. Nope, nope. Same week, 2012, New Japan Pro Wrestling has their 40th anniversary event from Korokan Hall in Tokyo, Japan. Apollo 55, which was Prince Devitt and Ryuzuki Taguchi, they teamed up with Kushida to defeat Hiromo Takahashi, Takaki Watanabe, and Tamatonga. Representing Chaos, which was Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi over Captain New Japan and Tomokai Homa. Jusha Dundalagra and Tiger Mask 4 over Gato and Jado. Ioji Gun, which was Wataru Inoue and Yuji Nagata, teaming up with Toji Makabe. They defeated Suzuki Gun, which was Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Takamichinoku. Takashi Izuka and Toriyano over Hiroshi Tenzan and Satoshi Kojima. Masato Tanaka, Shinsuke Nakamura, and Yohiro Takahashi over Hiroki Goto, Hiroshi Tanahashi, and Carl Anderson. And in the main event, Kazuhika Okada over Tetsuya Naito to retain the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. My fucking Japan has improved dramatically. You have to admit it. All right? It's not easy to just flow that fast and just get these Japanese correct, but I'm working on it, everyone. I really am. I'd be totally honest with you. Wrapping up 2012, sit back and relax a little bit. Infamous segment between The Rock and John Cena to set up their WrestleMania match. Now, this was the infamous cheat notes segment. Now, if you watch it, you'll know it because you obviously know the story now. But The Rock comes out, cuts a promo on John Cena. This ends up leading to John Cena coming out, saying a couple of quick words to insult The Rock back. And as I have said over the years, after Cena came out, The Rock was fucking flustered. I mean, just if you had a dollar for every time he said John, 
you know, you'd be able to uh, buy yourself a nice meal for dinner tonight. So, uh, I don't know, man. You you listen back at this, and uh, some of it is entertaining. I mean, everybody remembers Kung Pao Bitch. But what some people may not know, or may forgot about, or maybe you weren't even a fan at that time. You watch this on video, you'll see that on The Rock's forearm, it looks like that there's some things written on it. Couldn't really zoom in, even though if you really freeze frame it and screenshot it in high definition, you might be able to look at it closely. Luckily, I have that, so I was able to look at what was written. But it ends up that The Rock had cheat notes on his arm. Now, to be totally honest with you, I don't know, man. I I think of it that uh, The Rock needed cheat notes that night, which is something, you know, you don't normally see. I think... Cena and The Rock discussed beforehand that he was going to come out and bring that out because somebody on the internet would have noticed that. They would have brought it up. So the fact that John Cena did makes it look like a reality storyline and it shuts up people online saying, hey, didn't he have cheat notes? By Cena bringing it up, you already have your answer. Breaking news, he had cheat notes. And in case you're wondering, and the reason why I'm telling you what those cheat notes were on his arm now is because not only when you listen to this in order, but as you listen to The Rock's promo and you realize that he's checking off on his checklist what to say and when to say it. And it's interesting because right at the very last thing on his arm that said call out, which was calling out John Cena, John Cena comes out immediately. And I don't want anybody to say, well, common sense. If he calls him out, he's going to come out. You listen now that what The Rock says, it wasn't necessarily, John, get your ass out here. You'll see what I'm talking about. Anyway, written on The Rock's arm that night, KPC, KPB. That represented Kung Pao Chicken, Kung Pao Bitch. Another thing he wrote on his arm was fight for them. So when you hear him say, I'm fighting for them, obviously pre-rehearsed. Next thing on his arm, innovator and camo, as in camouflage. And then finally, the last thing written on his arm, two reasons, call out. So play along, listen to The Rock, and uh, you'll hear each one of these items were in fact covered in his promo. I want to show you something. I want you to look at the screen. Look at my arm. This is real. I'm covered. I'm covered in goosebumps because this, this feels so damn good.
Oh, tr- trust me, trust me. We're going to get into some chants all night long. Trust me. Okay. Okay. Now, th- now this may come as a shock to a lot of people. To a lot of people. Clearly somebody in the back. But I'm not here every single week. I was here. I was here every single week for years and years. That was my job. And I loved it. You see, The Rock, The Rock was born and created here in the WWE. And I, and I also know, I also know, and I know this, this is my truth. If it weren't for the WWE and were not for all of you, The Rock would never exist. When I came back and said I was back and I was never going away, I meant it. Now, now, did it mean that I was, was going to be back at every single Raw, every night, every SmackDown, every live event? No, that's not what it meant. And that was not what was ever expected. But if someone in the back, and you know who I'm talking to, wants to take that literally, then you go right ahead and you take it literally. Because unlike you, and you know who I'm talking to, I respect the audience's Damn, I love that chant. I mean, really, that's a good one. <laughs> now, now, unlike you, I respect the audience's intelligence because they know, they know that I was born in this business. And they know my heart and my soul is in this business. And they also know that I am standing in the middle of this ring right now in front of the world live for no other reason other than I love the WWE. And I will always be a part of the WWE and the WWE will always be a part of me. John Cena John Cena, you know, for years, I used to think that you were a phony. For years, for years, I thought there was no way that the guy who graduated from private school all of a sudden became the doctor of thugonomics. He was from the streets, yeah. He was from the hood. But then I realized, John, you're not a phony. No, you are that guy. You're that guy who came out here last week and and you ran me down. Even though I wasn't even in the building, you came out here, John. You're the guy who came out with all that passion and that anger. 
And you said you had to go through a wave of people just to get through to me. You couldn't talk to me directly. When the truth is, John, you have my cell phone number. You've called me before on it. But the, but, but the ironic thing is, John, you see, I wouldn't even want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to you on my cell. I don't want to talk to you out in public. I don't want to talk to you about there. And I see you back there, John. I saw you. I see you in catering. I see you eating. Look, I don't want to talk to you. I would much rather slap your lying face with a piece of Kung Pao chicken. See, John, you're not a phony. I don't even think you're a bad guy. But what you are is a Kung Pow bitch. John, John, last week, last week you said something. You said something that landed on me, and it resonated with me, John. It resonated with me. You said that come April 1st, you were going to fight at WrestleMania for all the people in the back who love to be a professional wrestler. That's what you're going to do, John. John, let me tell you something. I grew up in this business of professional wrestling. And I was always taught that there was no one who was ever going to fight for me. The only person who fights for you is you. That's how we learned, that's how we got better. No one fought for me. John, do you think when I was climbing the ladders, clawing, scratching the WWE, that someone was fighting for me? No. You think when I would come out to these arenas as a, as a good guy, as a baby face, just like you, and they would boo me unmercifully, just like you, you think Stone Cold Steve Austin was fighting for me? No. Hell no. You think someone was fighting for Triple H, for Mick Foley, for Randy Macho Man Savage? You'll like this one. Do you think... Do you think that anyone fought for Rowdy Roddy Piper? No, hell no, 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 John, no. No one had to fight for us because we were men. But here's the thing, John, John, you want to fight for them in the back? That's fine. As a matter of fact, I prefer it. Because listen to me, John, listen to me. While you fight for them, I fight for them.
You hear them, John? I fight for them. I fight for the people. The same people who are so sick and tired. Sick and tired of having a Kung Pao bitch shoved down their throat every single night. By the way, Portland right now, trending worldwide, Kung Pao bitch. You see, John, you see, listen to them. Listen to them, John, because they're tired of you every single night. They're tired of you. They try and tell you every single night. But what they're not tired of, John, they're not tired of being entertained. And that's where I come in. That's where I come in. It's what I do. It's what I love to do. I love to entertain. I live to entertain in the middle of this ring. Movie screen, doesn't matter. I live to entertain. You see, John, you see, John, every time we get together, the rock and the people, we innovate, we break new ground, we trailblaze. When the rock came back, When The Rock came back and said, John Cena, you come out here and you look like a big fat bowl of fruity pebbles. What happened? This is what they did. They started chanting fruity pebbles and then all of a sudden we find your monkey ass on the cover of a cereal box. When The Rock came back and said, said, John, The Rock is going to take his size 15 boot and stick it right up Cena's lady parts. What happened, John? They started chanting lady parts and then trending worldwide. Boom. You're welcome, bitch. second what we got we have we got half the crowd chanting rocky and the other half chanting lady parts which one do you want to chant okay i'll tell you what we'll do i mean we're split 50 50 how about this on the count of three let's do lady parts one Two, three. Okay, now we can chant my favorite on the count of three. Let's go ahead and chant Rocky. One, two, three, and...
You see John Cena, you're back there now, I want you to listen to him. What we do, we have fun. We entertain. We innovate. What's, what's the most innovative thing that you've done all year, John? Oh, I'll tell you what you did. You changed you change your jean shorts to camouflage shorts. Yeah. But here's the thing. I'll tell you right now, that camouflage is working, Jack, because I speak for everyone here and everyone around the world to say, we can't find your balls whatsoever. Here's how we're gonna we're gonna make history again. Uh, right now, again, Portland, Oregon, Cena's missing balls, trending worldwide. John, John. chicken it's genius it's absolutely brilliant because every single chinese restaurant you go to it's always there it's perfect rock and this is perfect rock the rock comes out does his shtick holds the millions in the palm of his hand like only the rock can do but i must admit i didn't come out here to swing for the people's strudel or whatever you're calling your penis nowadays to tell you you were right you're right i am that guy i'm the guy who runs you down when you're not here but as usual just like everything else you're only half right because i'm the guy that runs you down when you are here you see these people love the rock i was one of these people until I got to meet Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson is a self-centered, egotistical, see-through son of a bitch. That wouldn't give a rat's ass if this company closed its doors tomorrow. Now I'll tell you something, Jack. I don't need words like respect and loyalty to trend worldwide. Just like I don't need my notes for my promo on my wrist. Nice tattoo. So here's the skinny. April 1st, when the millions see John Cena versus The Rock, John Cena is going to be eyeing up Dwayne Johnson. 
And I don't like Dwayne Johnson. You probably make your boobs bounce. It'll be a thing on your eyebrow that looks like the people's eyebrow. But I'm gonna be looking into the eyes of Dwayne Johnson and see a man afraid. Because you're gonna be looking at a dude who may not have balls, but a dude who's gonna beat the hell out of you at WrestleMania, Jack. Oh, carry on, continue trending. It's like you, John. It's like you to come out, run your mouth, and then walk away before I slap the lips off your face. But I tell you what, it doesn't surprise me you come out here. Now you confuse the world. You don't like The Rock. You like Dwayne Johnson. Hate Dwayne Johnson. What you got? Let me tell you something, John. You're back there listening right now. You're back there listening right. Now. Let me tell you this, John. The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. Dwayne Johnson, The Rock. That is the same man, the same man in here. Is the exact same man out there. The exact same man. The, and the exact same man, John. But the difference between me and you, you come out here, you run your mouth about being tough, you ain't tough. I know it and you know it. The bottom line is this, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson, Dwayne Johnson, The Rock, the people's champ, the great one, the most electrifying man in all of entertainment. It doesn't matter, John. It doesn't matter. The only thing that matters, and you're back there listening, is that what I'm going to do on the biggest stage of, the, of WrestleMania, the biggest match of all time, The Rock, all the nicknames you want to throw, Team Bring It Worldwide, we're going to kick your candy ass all over WrestleMania. If you And as I said, you know, I'm a huge fan of The Rock. Love when he returns. I know it pisses off some people in the business. Hey, he's taking a spot of somebody else. But, um, you know, this, to me, he just was flustered that night. He was off his game, in my opinion. 2013, WWE has the special edition of Raw. It was WWE Old School Raw. It took place from Buffalo, New York. Uh, this was the first live appearance from The Undertaker since Raw 1000, and this was the last ever TV appearance for Mae Young. She was 90 at the time, and we know shortly after she had passed away. Also in 2013, Ring of Honor had their 11th anniversary show from Chicago, Illinois. ACH over QT Marshall, Adam Page, Silas Young, Mike Seidel, and Tadarius Thomas in a six-man mayhem match. 
You had Jimmy Jacobs and Steve Carino over Caprice Coleman and Cedric Alexander. B.J. Whipner over Charlie Haas in a no-holds-barred match. The Forever Hooligans, Alex Kozlov and Rocky Romero, they lose to the American Wolves. Micah Elgin over Roderick Strong, 2-1 to one in a best two out of three falls match. Matt Tavern over Adam Cole to, ring, to win the Ring of Honor TV title. Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly over the Briscoes to win the tag titles. Main event, Kevin Steen over Jay Lethal to retain the Ring of Honor World Championship. 2014, we had NXT present their arrival event from Winter Park, Florida. This would be the first ever live special on the WWE Network. I tried so hard to find good clips to put on here to share, but you look back on it, I don't know. I mean, it's just not something I think that would have really been enjoyable listening over here. However, the Cesaro-Sami Zayn match is definitely one to really look back and enjoy. Uh, Cesaro defeated Sami Zayn that night. Mojo Rawley over CJ Parker. The Ascension over Too Cool. Page over Emma to retain the NXT Championship, the Women's Championship. Tyler Breeze and Xavier Woods went to a no contest. Neville over Bo Dallas in a ladder match to win the NXT Championship. Dark match from that night, Mason Ryan over Sylvester LaFort. You also had, on Monday Night Raw this week, Brock Lesnar. In the midst of the anticipation of him versus Undertaker, eat, sleep, beat the streak, repeat, he came out, WWE Raw's in Chicago, Illinois. He comes out to cut a promo, proclaiming that the Undertaker streak will be done by WrestleMania. And um, the crowd really wasn't into it all that much. Keep in mind that at this time, WWE, Raw, it's in Chicago, Illinois. Oh, and by the way, this was shortly after CM Punk left the company. Yes, I believe in my heart that that man is scared to death of me. There has been many of foe that have tried to conquer the streak and all of them have failed to do so. Shawn Michaels, Triple H, and your own little baby boy, CM Punk. Failures at WrestleMania 30, the streak is gonna get conquered by me, Barack Lesnar. Two thousand fifteen Ring of Honor has their thirteenth anniversary show from Las Vegas, Nevada. Samoa Joe uh, made his return following uh, his exiting of TNA. This was right before he would sign with WWE. Dark match, the decade over Adam Thornstow and Lusted a Legend. 
Matt Seidel over Cedric Alexander, Moose over Mark Briscoe, Matt Tavern and Michael Bennett over Carl Anderson, and the addiction in a three-way, three-team tag match. Doc Gals of the Bullet Club was supposed to team with Carl Anderson, but had travel problems. Roderick Strong over BJ Whipner, ODB over Maria Canellis, AJ Styles over ACH, Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly over the Young Bucks to retain the tag titles. Jay Lethal over Alberto El Patron to retain the TV title. The main event, Jay Briscoe over Hanson, Michael Elgin, and Tommaso Ciampa in a four-corner survival match to retain the World Heavyweight Championship. Wrapping up 2015, you know, not a big deal, but to further the storyline and the ultimate split between Miz and Damian Sandow, we had Miz and Miz Dow debut this commercial on TV. Are you suffering from erectile dysfunction? And I can't stand it. Do you suffer from the following symptoms? It's too soft, too small, and completely, utterly useless. When his moneymaker just isn't enough, the Miz uses Niagara. Niagara is clinically proven to ensure that you can enjoy peak performance when you need it most. This little pill will set you straight. Satisfy her with Niagara. Side effects include lightheadedness, dizziness, not getting over being a jabroni, uncontrollable urges, falling down, extended loosening streaks, and falling off the list. Niagara. Niagara. <laughs> oh boy. 2016 Ring of Honor 14th anniversary show from Las Vegas, Nevada. Dark match. Silas Young over Cheeseburger Gato and Will Ferrara. Four corner survival match. Tomohiro Ishii over Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong in a three-way to retain the TV title. Adam Page over B.J. Whipner. Hiroki Goto over Dalton Castle. Alex Shelley over Christopher Daniels. Hiroshi Tanahashi and Michael Elgin over the Briscoes. Katsuhika Okada over Moose. And in the main events, you had Bullet Club, which was Kenny Omega, the Young Bucks. Uh, they defeated ACH, Kushida, and Matt Seidel to retain the never-open-weight six-man tag titles. War Machine of Hanson and Ray Rowe over the all-night express of Rhett Titus and Kenny King in an LDQ match to retain the tag titles. And Jay Lethal over Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly in a three-way match to retain the heavyweight title. 2017. First off, we have the Hardys. They're doing a storyline and impact the expedition of gold. They're going all different areas to retain and grab and win, collect tag titles. And it was this week in 2017 that they would brawl in a flea market, wrestling the Ectorage, and they would win, I believe, the MCW tag team titles. They would beam into the flea market, beam out to the flea market, and sadly, this whole expedition of gold was about to come to a conclusion. A few days later, at Ring of Honor's Manhattan Mayhem 6, we had the Hardys, fresh off of their appearance on TNA Impact. They would show up, and they would challenge and defeat the Young Bucks for the tag titles. Sadly, once again, can't put the footage on there unless you want to hear fucking music and nothing else. Sucks, but I give you the match results nonetheless. A dark match from that night. Sumi Sakai over Jenny Rose and Mandy, Mandy Leon. You had in a prospect tournament semifinal match, Josh Wills Woods over Brian Malonis. John Strike over Kurt Stallion. Main event itself, 
Christopher Daniels over TKO Ryan. Dalton Castle over Colt Cabana for the TV title. Marty Scroll retains over Sanjay Dutt. Dragon Leo Will Osprey for the tag titles. First, the Young Bucks, uh, they retained, defeating Jay White and Leo Rush. This then led to the Broken Hardys coming out, making the challenge, and defeating the Young Bucks to become the new Ring of Honor tag champs. In a number one contendership match, a Manhattan Mayhem Battle Royal, Matt Taven defeats Cheeseburger, Chris Sabin, Damian Martinez, Leon St. Giovanni, Kenny King, Ray Rowe, Red Titus, Shaheem Ali, and Show Silas Young, Beer City Cruiser, Vinny Maseglia, and Will Ferraro along with Yohei. So he, Matt, now is the number one contender. Six-man tag match, the Bully Club, which was Cody Rhodes, Frankie Kazarian, and Hangman Page over Jay Lethal and the Briscoes. Main event, Adam Cole over Bobby Fish. That is this week in wrestling history. Now, need to point out that this is the last week in February we're covering. Some years had February 29th. Some years do not. So February 29th has been included in these results, birthdays, deaths. So the birthday list is a little bit longer than usual, but let's give some shout outs. Notable birthdays this week. Those celebrating birthdays who are no longer with us. Happy birthday to Vern Gagne, Mike Von Erich, Dewey Robertson, Joey Morella, Lance Cade, Bobby Pierce, Steve Stanley, Scott Stevens, Chino Chow, Eddie Cook, Otis Klingman, Natty Brown, Bobby Jones, Reed Flair, El Gemello de la Muerte, number two, George Saharias, Eddie Creechman, Sonny Curgis, Bad Boy Brown, Bobby Fields, Jack Manuel, and Wolfgang Earl. Happy birthday to all of them. Lorraine Johnson turns 89. Mark Lewin, 82. Sheik Adnan Al Casey, 80. Felipe Hamley turns 79. Seiji Sakaguchi, 77. Sandy Parker, 67. Ricky Steamboat, 66. Mike Tenay, 65. Deborah turns 59. Morgus the Maniac turns 58. Booker T, James Mitchell, and Norman Smiley turn 54. Yasushi Sato turns 53. Johnny Stewart, 52. Toshio Yamada, 49. Scotty Riggs, Shiro Dragon, Satoru Asako, Jeff Cannon, and Manami Toyota turn 48. Ultimo Guerrero and Megumi Yabushita turn 47. Brazito de Plata, Masato Tanaka, and Nobuyuki Kirishima turn 46. Devin Storm, Brandy Alexander, and Dino Devine turn 45. Miss Jones and Mitu Shichi Shinosi turn 44. Saika Takuchi and Shabazz turn 43. El Hio del Tarantes, Ricky Ruckus, Lujo Esquire, and Lance Archer turn 42. Ito Nemoto and DJ Hyde turn 41. Dark Angel, 40. T- PJ Black, Kayori Yomiyama, Black Metal, and Sub-Zero turn 38. Fuego Latino and Ray Demonio Jr. turn 37. Mascarita Divina and Davey Richards, they turn 36. Crazy Steve, Ricky Shane Page, and Juicy Jimmy Fletcher, along with Hanson, they turn 35. Murder Clown, Dalton Castle, and Big E turn 33. Kyle O'Reilly, Awesome Andy, Akito, and CM Simon turn 32. Nina Monet, 31. Kento Mayahara, Emma, Tennille Dashwood, and Stuart Miles turn 30. Shane Strickland, 28. El Hio del Piata Morgan, Ricky Knight Jr. and Mande Leon turn 27. 
Lady Shani and Lucky Kid turned 26. Zuzu Divine, not Zuzu Petals, but Zuzu Divine. She turns 25. And Nobuhiro Shamatani, he turns 23. Notable debuts this week in history. Jushin Thunder Lager debuted in 1984. Great Sasuke in 1990. Alex Shelley in 2002. Io Shirai and Lady Puma, they debuted in 2007. And finally, notable deaths this week in history. Don McGee and Max Krause died at age 89. Angelo Paffo and Johnny Sylvie at 84. Stan Mizelak at 83. Frank Marconi and Billy Tipton at 79. George Culkin at 78. Tom Jones, 77. Billy Robertson, 75. Duran O'Hara and Woody Farmer at 74. Ronnie Etchison at 73. Dominic Doganiero and Tony Gonzalez at 72. Paul Figueroa, Gus Calillo, and Yvonne Cormier at 70. Jorge Allende at 68. Donald McDonald at 62. Steve Seibert and Helen Hild at 57. Doug Furness at 52. Igor Putsky at 51. Hayabusa at 47. Liz Chase at 41. Dino Casanova at 35. Satoshi Hasegawa and Mike Hawk at 32. Kid Chapman at 31. And Jay Prodigy died at the age of 29. With that, I bid you farewell for this week in wrestling history. Follow me on Twitter at DonTonyD. The website DonTony.com. Email me DonTony at DonTony.com. Facebook.com slash DTKC show. Don't forget, we set up a Discord channel that is just absolutely on fire right now. Interact with yours truly and others in like never before. You can find it on the websites, on my Twitter. Sign up, it's free. It's interactive for everyone. And as always, patreon.com slash Don Tony. Shout out to all of our patrons. They are the reason why not only these shows are free still, but that they're still in existence. If you want to help support the shows and get a boatload of Patreon-exclusive content in return, sign up, patreon.com slash Tony. $5 gets you everything. Sign up, and trust me, you'll be a regular probably for life, or as long as you keep your credit card active, <laughs> or PayPal, or cash. Anyway, I'm out of here, everyone. Enjoy the rest of the week. I'll return next week with Season 2. Episode 10 this week in wrestling history. Be well, everyone. Ciao. Bet Saratoga from anywhere this summer with Naira Bets, the official betting partner of Saratoga Racecourse. Naira Bets players enjoy world-class HD live streaming covering races worldwide, instant replays, exclusive bonuses, and earn points on every bet. New customers that sign up today receive a bonus match on their first deposit up to $200 with promo code SPA. Join today at nyrabets.com and make sure to use promo code SPA to earn your sign-up bonus up to $200. New to Medicare? Go to MyHealthPolicy.com. With MyHealthPolicy.com, you can compare plans from some of the nation's top insurers. Start now to find a plan and apply online. MyHealthPolicy.com makes it easy to find a Medicare Advantage plan in your area, including plans for $0 a month in plan premiums, low out-of-pocket costs, and expansive provider networks. My decision, My Medicare. MyHealthPolicy.com. Come.